Hello, everybody. It's your old friends of Monday Madness, and welcome to another episode of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. I am joined, as ever, by my uh, team of uh, hardened and experienced football journalists that couldn't be here tonight. Uh, so Neil and Burkwater are joining me instead. Um, how's, Honestly, how's thought going? you were going to say experienced and hardened criminals, but uh, uh... give it a couple of weeks. <laughs> Lockdown's getting to us all. <laughs> so yeah, lads, it's been a, it's been another few weeks in the wonderful world of football. We've got the uh, the Premier League still trundling on relentlessly. We've got Champions League, and now for the first time in nearly three years, an interlow, which I don't think anyone was really asking for. But I guess you know football must go on. And um, in all fairness, when they were recording three times a season, we weren't for them either. That's fair. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure there's like one person who really likes international football and if, if you are please come John forward Delaney, and then he's illegal <laughs> yeah yeah exactly he yeah. is illegal I can I agree he is completely illegal um, but yeah so like um, yeah let's 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 have a chat and see uh, where the conversation takes us football wise so uh, uh, we shall start off with the Premier League table as ever um, again not much has changed because uh, things have been kind of settled um, at the top ends of the uh, table so we'll start off at the bottom your bottom three as a standstill is Sheffield United West Brom and Fulham although Fulham are currently playing as we speak um, as they are oh, yeah, they're, they're match with Leeds indeed it is yeah and uh, that's the exciting part because if they do beat Leeds tonight then they go above Newcastle who well are they've currently... not started off they've just conceded oh no wait <laughs> oh, VAR VAR's just ruled an uh, ailing goal off Great, now I already have to update Aww, That was his first ever goal <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I love that you're so sad for him I was like, oh, I like him I like him in his Yeah, Roberts was, a, uh, Roberts was an armpit hair offside Oh, I hate when that happens he, Do you know what? He was, he was warned about that He was warned about shaving <laughs> those armpits And you know what? It's come back to boys him in the arse now And um, but yes, like I said, as things stand, Fulham look like to be the only person that can save themselves from uh, from oblivion, uh, and it would be probably Newcastle to do it uh, because Brighton um, got themselves a pretty massive win against Southampton uh, last week, so that uh, gets them uh, not to say out of danger, but certainly um, helping themselves a good bit. Because um, as we said, Fulham had a massive result against Liverpool, so uh, that has them back in the hunt. And um, I suppose you'd probably say Burnley. Uh, are probably out of danger now with their with their win over the weekend. So they're on thirty three along with Southampton, uh, and that leads into Wolves, Palace, and Leeds as yeah, the rest of born, the Burnley beat Everton. Everton lost to Burnley two one. Fucking hell! Everton yeah, haven't won. Yeah, we lost yeah. To Burnley as well. Yeah, a lot of people have <laughs> lost to Burnley this Burnley. year. Like we're single handedly keeping Burnley up. I think I, I feel like it's kind of like a charity thing, you know. It's yeah, just I was like, about to uh, say, isn't that like our like community service thing? That's it. Yeah, it's like it's, it, this is how in football <laughs> we support our local businesses. <laughs> help out this poor, help out this poor collection of dimwits. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you give Ashley Westwood a house for the week? Probably not, but you can help him with an assist against Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell, don't I? Don't I know we're only too fucking happy to oblige. Although I can't really hate on Burnley too much because they are they are responsible for quite possibly the best Goldbridge moment ever. 
Um, remember when they were playing them? It's it's fucking viral. Like it's got like seven point two million views or some shit like that. Go on, but it's his coverage of when they beat Manchester United. Oh yeah. And just before their first goal, he sat there. It's like it's nil all. He sat there. He's like, I'm just gonna be honest. I hope Burnley get relegated. If any Burnley fans are watching this, I don't care. Oh, they they literally just scored as he's talking and he's screaming not only. He's screaming not only at the game and at the match, but at himself as well. He's like, why have I said that? That's what I've said that. <laughs> the hubris of man. The hubris of man. Oh, my God. It's I awesome. Matt it's Goldberg, God, my end of season hubris deep dive is going to be fucking epic. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. Um, but yes, uh, the, the bottom half of the table has not changed that much against the Hampton kind of uh, uh, playing themselves into a relegation dogfight. I don't know why they're doing that. It's a bit weird. Um, but nevertheless, it's probably uh, the only way they can make this season interesting. Is that what they're doing? Do you think that's what's keeping them like motivated? It's like, hey lads, let's tank it so we can do something exciting. It's like, no, <laughs> there's money in the mid table, lads. What are you doing? <laughs> Crazy people, yeah, but fuck that. They've been there, yeah. done that, sold the players. Yeah. Fair point. I think they're, they're in the FA Cup uh, this weekend against Bournemouth, and I kind of fancy Bournemouth to beat them, weirdly enough. Could be interesting. Oh, Jackie Wilshire. Yeah, could be. You never know. Against his mortal enemies, Southampton. <laughs> does he? Does he? Lads, help me out here. Does he? Does he hate Southampton? Can we engineer it to make him hate Southampton? I don't know. He seemed to be in a constant state of hatred with his own internal organs. So, like <laughs> the typical Arsenal player. Then, yeah, fair enough. And... <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so, um, the top half again hasn't really changed that much. And um, well, both. Uh, Joined at the hip on 41 points is Villa and Arsenal. Villa uh, still three games uh, in hand uh, over some play- some teams. Um, Spurs currently eight on 45. We will get to Spurs very, very uh, soon because we have some thoughts on them. Um, I know two Arsenal fans in Liverpool have thoughts on Spurs. Who knew? But um, <laughs> but they are currently uh, they, they are currently a point behind uh, both Everton and Liverpool, uh, currently sharing sixth place at the moment. Uh, Liverpool get slight, kind of getting their act together with a win against Wolves. Uh, wasn't as convincing as I would have liked, to be honest. But obviously, uh, wasn't a very pleasant game for various reasons, unfortunately, um, because of what happened to Rui Patricio. Uh, and Everton haven't won in the last two games either, beaten by Chelsea and Burnley since the last time we spoke to you, which is uh, not great if you're Carlo Ancelotti and you're realizing, oh well, like Everton are just stuck to seventh place, and I just <laughs> no reason. It's not good if you're Carlo Ancelotti and you realize. The fuck am I doing managing Everton? <laughs> I feel like he's going to wake up from his coma and he's looking back in Napoli and everything's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, he's going to walk out of his shower in Napoli or something like that. He's going, oh my God. You know, his wife's going to be in the bed going, oh, I thought you were managing Everton. He's like, no, no, no. I'd never go to that fucking job of a place. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> just there shaking his assistant manager. Is Calvert-Lewin playing for me? Is Calvert-Lewin yeah, exactly, playing for me? Yeah. <laughs> And he speaks in time. Who is this? A Calvert Lewin? Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Actually, no. His assistant is his brother, so that wouldn't work at all. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so uh, currently in fifth, still, and um, despite all better logic, it is West Ham, <laughs> two points ahead of everyone of the teams that I just Man, mentioned. And if that there. isn't a fucking asterisk to this entire oh, season, well. what the it, fuck? Like they, like they are, they have a bit of a game, a game advantage on Chelsea. Um, and I don't. I think they're playing in the weekend. So if they happen I'm to win, yeah, they're playing also the weekend. Because um, Arsenal women are currently playing, and 
Nice Evans, who was out, ruled out of this game with an Achilles injury, has just come on despite not being named on the team sheet that was posted out earlier on. Oh, for fuck's um, sake. For Viv. And they are laughing as if, like, everything is great. Even though we've played shite, but we just managed to be winning at the minute. At the minute. There must be a rule against that. Um, but <laughs> either way, it's just, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, our second striker. Fuck, I forgot about her. Yeah, stick her on anyway. Never mind. Um, but yes, like I said, if West Ham do beat Arsenal um, over the weekend, they will go on the same points as Chelsea, who are currently sitting in the uh, the precarious fourth place uh, uh, where the, cha- the uh, Champions League football awaits. Now, I'm not saying it's a, it's a choice between a rock and a hard place, but would you rather... Thomas Tuchel's boring Chelsea or David Moyes' boring West Ham <laughs> in, in Europe. In representing Brexit England. Well, I, I, I'd much prefer West Ham to be perfectly honest with you because, you know, that's like seeing, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's like um, sometimes when you go to Dublin Zoo and they let the peacock out and it just, it just runs around the place. Like just going mental and eating people's food and scaring kids, you know that's what West Ham and the Champions League would be like. You know this I, I just, incredibly bright, flowery thing that just needs to be locked up for the sake of the children. Yeah, could you imagine like they get drawn into like a Champions League group and like say like they're, they're in with get like like proper like fucking ballers like PSG, Atletico, and like yeah, say, I just want to see Mark Noble siding down Kylian Mbappe. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Can you imagine being in PSG and or even at Dortmund, right? And explaining Mark Noble to Kylian Mbappe or Lionel Messi. Like mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, like where do you start? You don't understand this, Neymar. He will tackle your throw it. And get away with it. <laughs> yes, he is that small. Yes, he is that angry. Just <laughs> fucking love it, yeah. Um, Watching him carve know. down fucking these scintillating European players, watching them square up to Robert Lewandowski and go, you ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? You've done fuck all. You've done fucking nothing. <laughs> Lewandowski's going, who the fuck is he? Is he a fan? What? He'll do an Alf Ingi Haaland on Erling Braut Haaland just for the Oh, practice. you know what he, yeah, you know what he'd do is he slag off Haaland about his dad. He's got, yeah, your dad was, yeah, that sells Avon. He was fucking shy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, but Holland like lived up, worked like grew up in Leeds. So, like <laughs> he didn't know who he's messing with there. Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, okay? that, that, that always brings to mind uh, Sunis's comment about um, Una when mm. uh, you know he was coming through the ranks. And he was like scoring like ninety-five million goals a season and. Uh, Something like that, and Sunas commented, "He's like, well, I bet his mother must have been a really good football player because his dad was a plotter." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Fucking hell, Graham! Tell us what you really feel." <laughs> apparently, like, uh, Alan has a cousin. I think his surname is uh, Torstad. Oh yeah, apparently he's, he's a younger cousin who's even better. He yeah, scored he's like scoring more goals. Yeah, he scored like something. He, he's on something like fifty-eight goals and thirty fucking appearances. Yeah, yeah, that's something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know, at this point, I'm starting to get convinced that Norway is trying to genetically engineer footballers. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like, a, well, it's sort of like what Belgium did. Remember, like, there's like a third Hazard brother that's apparent that the two of them, both Eden and Thorgan, have said he's actually the best one. Yes. Yeah. I don't uh, know I don't, what his name is. Uh, I think it's uh, Killian. Killian Hazard. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, his name is Killian as well. Hazard. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah. I know. Killian Hazard does sound like a really kind of like regenerative name in football manager. It's that, like, it's, to be honest with you, it sounds like something, it sounds like an anime character's name. You oh, know, yeah. I, I'm expecting him to. Ten year old would pick as his nickname. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, it's someone's yeah. wrestler name. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Um, so anyway, um, the uh, there's currently a scrap for second place, lads, at the moment between Man United and Leicester. Leicester very much putting Sheffield United to the sword five nil last time. And um, Kletchi Iheanacho is now the best striker in the Premier League. I'm shocked that none of you has noticed that beforehand, but uh, let's just show you the magic that is Brendan Rodgers and his magic touch. And we'll say no more about that. Uh, and obviously, Man City have <laughs> Man City have won the league. They are um, they are very much like is a case of like when as of as if uh, as of if. Although United did manage to bloody the nose in the uh, Manchester derby that we uh, that happened two weeks ago. Luke Shaw again somehow um, pulling out those stops. He was fucking ace. It was really weird. God, I have to admit, like I, I love slagging him off, and I will in future. Absolutely. Um, but I have to admit, in that match, he was fucking. Brilliant! I was going. What the fuck is it? They just—they've gotten somebody else in, and just stuck Shaw's jersey on him. Yeah. yeah. When you look at him, it's like when you see like him. It's kind of like the Rooney thing, where like you see him look, and it's like he does not look fit enough to be a footballer. And then you actually see him running, and it's like, oh, I can see how he's a footballer. Yeah. But he looks like he has the physique of you know that like Sunday Sunday league guy. Sunday yeah. Like, would have been pro if it wasn't for the drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> if I didn't live next door to a Chinese takeaway, I could have gone fucking places. <laughs> except next door. <laughs> you, know, you know what the bizarre thing is, like, and, and like we, I know we don't often like talk about United and kind of give them credit about things, but like all credit to Ali and his team. Like he, they have they have got Luke Shaw working superbly. Like he's been probably their best outside of Bruno. He's been their best player this season, and it's yeah. not even really a contest between the two of them. Like they're he's been brilliant. And again, as I said, we've slagged him off for kind of very low-hanging fruit in that sense, but performance-wise, he's been superb. Like, he has been one of the best. <laughs> I think if, if anything, there's a lot of things Luke Shaw can be accused of, but eating fruit ain't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair, there's a lot of sugars in fruit, Neil. There's a lot. Could yeah. be a lot of them. Um, but yes, that's the, that's the league as it stands right now. So... Uh, we are going to start talking in depth uh, about a certain club in that league, which is Tottenham. Um, and shockingly, it's not the Arsenal fans that are bringing this up. It's me. Because... Um, the resident Liverpoolian. Exactly. As you can tell, my big scouts are heads. So, um, I wanted to talk about Spurs because, uh, well, two reasons, really. Um, they've had a really shit week of football. After um, acting like the Harlem Globetrotters um, against Palace, but of course, if Palace, as we know from ourselves this season, you can walk with the Palace and act like the Harlem Globetrotters any time of the week against Palace. Um, but then they kind of uh, got a bit of a reality check with a uh, a derby loss to uh, Arsenal, um, which I'm sure you guys are delighted with, um, considering uh, the uh, lethal levels of hubris that was in that team Oof. and in that uh, in that game. But it was only made worse with the uh, with a rather um, humiliating ex- exit from the Europa League um, just yesterday. <sighs> I was a, I was a hat trick from Daniel Larsic um, that's just sent him out completely through extra time and all. Uh, and apparently, well, like, Spurs... work is literally in his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine no, where it's, it's mad. Be it's it's mad to think that like. Because I was reading a good couple of articles on this because it, it, this is so tasty, it just has to be fattening. 
Mm. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like the Athletic have a resident Spurs correspondent that I don't really like entirely, Jack Piprook. But my God, the guy can plumb some depth of fucking despair when he wants to. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so like through reading a lot of the stuff, like it was only like they were top of the league in December. Yeah, like it's people were calling for Mourinho to get like a lifetime contract and all this shit. Mm. And like it's just it's just got the fucking shit. It's all got the absolute shit. Like he's had now it's been a steady down downward decline since they were top of the league 102 mm. days ago. Um but yeah, like, they're gonna win it though, Neil. Mm-hmm. I know that. But uh like this week has been a bit particularly bad one. Like Yeah. Um it's a weird one because uh like, like uh, you mentioned Mourinho there and he's kind of very central to this as you'd imagine like uh, a Jose Mourinho team <laughs> has a certain pattern he's like a serial killer in a way like he behaves in a certain way like the first year is very tentative he decides who he likes and doesn't like and then he um, ships off wherever he doesn't and brings in like old dogs to, to replace them oh, and then and second- he has been bus throwing like for weeks mm. now he has been bus throwing he has been f- like how Andon Belly hasn't just sparked them out at some point? Because I know I would. Because Andon Belly mm. has been actually a decent enough player. Like they're all calling him like this midfield fucking beast monster. I was like, don't see it, lads. Mm. I think he's gash. But like, oh my god! Like they just get absolutely. He just gets pilloried like fucking every single fucking. Like there was one. Um, there was one press conference. Actually, I think it was the press conference after the Arsenal game, the Arsenal loss. And he was asked about another player, and he still managed to mention. He mentioned Tanguy and the other player. It's like, oh yeah, neither of them fucking. But it was Bale. People were saying he was. People were saying, oh, is Bale, is Bale any good or like, what's up with Bale? He's like, yeah, Bale and Tanguy. They they were so terrible. I was like. What are you even talking about him, man? I was asking about Vail. You know, the guy you're paying fucking nearly 650 grand a week to. <laughs> oh, very, very, how about the guy that got sent off during the game for slapping? <laughs> for, oh, for, being a, for trying to slap like. Uh, anyway, but but like this thing, we, we know what happens with Mourinho, right? Second year is where they get the shit together and they win something. And then third year is when everyone gets sick of his shite and wants him to leave. And as we kind of said, like, I wouldn't say predicted, but we, we, we said it like last, last time out. This process has been accelerated at Spurs, which is anything impressive somehow. It's been accelerated at Spurs because they don't win anything. That's see, true. See, yeah. see the but, way when you mentioned, I was like, first season, yeah, it's all going really good. Maybe they'll get a bit lucky. Maybe they'll win a few things. But second season is when they, they like, you know, they bring in the silverware. Mm. You know, they dust out the trophy cabinet. They get the shit together. And then in the third season, it all goes to pot and he gets his contract paid out. But the thing is, is that you went to Spurs, you never win anything. Exactly. Yeah, you've taken my point out of my mouth, which is yeah. like, like he is like a trophy hunter of a coach. Like he goes to mm. teams that are already kind of have pedigree in competitions. Um, it was a Porto. Was that his? Where Porto, he yeah, it was the big, first big like, one. Yeah, the first big one. Yeah, they were only up against two other teams in the league. Um, so like. Yeah, and then yeah, and then yeah, he gets money thrown at him, and now this time he's got money thrown at him, and it's still Spurs. Um, well, he's got a lot of money thrown at him at Spurs, but he's pocketing it all. It's not going yeah. to the squad. He's on twenty-one million quid a year. Mm. Jesus Christ! 
Like, I, and Ornstein uh, is either the, the I think he's either the highest paid manager or the second highest between him and Ancelotti. He's second highest. Pep is highest. Pep gets like fucking a small Middle Eastern harem a week. Mm. Um, yeah, no, he's the second highest. Um, behind, <laughs> say he's the highest non-state funded manager. <laughs> Daniel Levy out of his own back pocket. Exactly, yeah. But and also what Ornstein as uh, the Oracle reported as well that there is a no break clause in his contract. Mm. So he can't you have to buy him out basically. He has to be bought out. He can't be sacked. Yeah. <laughs> so and he's contracted through to the end of twenty twenty three. So you're talking the guts of sixty million if they want to get rid of him. I don't feel sorry for Spurs in this no, because no, he's look for this shit. Like literal shit. Um, yeah. I know other podcasts have been um, kind of jumping on the the Spurs bashing uh, bandwagon, uh, and as a bandwagon, I will never get off. But mm. um, the, it is, it is. Um, they were like, "Oh, well, what? They, what do Spurs fans think?" And it's like, can they? <laughs> it's it's funny. The the few Spurs fans that I do know. Like none of them. Like, what's even better about this is that, like, the whole thing about it is that, like, none of them were really on board with Mourinho to begin with. But they were just yeah. like, right, the play might be boring, but you'll have trophies. That was a, that was always the point about it. That was it? always the selling. That was always the like, yeah, that was that was always the final kind of wedge in the dam. It was like, yeah, you're not gonna like this shit, but you know what? You will like the sight of Ari Kane. Or as sorry, as what the left field Joe podcast. Hart. Yeah, Joe Hart. Yeah, Joe Hart uh, calls Harry Kane H. I don't know. Like uh, the, I think it was it was either left field or the second pack, captain's podcast. They had somebody at one of the matches who was sitting. It, it was um, it was Irish blog. Oh, it was James McNichols. Yes, it was James McNichols. It was like Gunnar Blog who was at the game, and he's like Joe Hart shouts out. It's like. H, run forward, H, go to the left, H. He calls him, he screams out H, a Harry Kane. It was like, oh my fucking God, that was like lethal levels of cringe. But I think that's also um, because Harry is such a long name for him to remember. <laughs> Harry! <laughs> it's just, is it just a thing that all Harrys in football are named H? Because like fucking Slabhead has the same nickname. It's like, is it literally oh, because man. like it's too many syllables for these people to understand? That's, that's weird. Maybe I don't know, um, but either way, like so, so again, we we we're mentioning uh, perhaps it's like the best week to talk about Spurs in a sense because um, this supposed like it's dogged, been one of the worst weeks. It's one of the worst weeks, exactly, and, and again, this is the best time to bring it up because in the North London derby against a very precocious, very uh, perhaps sensitive Arsenal squad is the best way to call it, um, they were outclassed. Like Arsenal were like by far the better team. Um, up and down the pitch like defensively and like attacking wise Arsenal were so much better and um, and they were only saved by the fact that Lamella had like a like a genius bit of like uh, uh, skill to to do to, to do to and like that just a cheek to do it so it's like you fucking cheek to do to try that and um, yeah, but that of course kind of feeds into my cards you know the Lamella mm. and a lot of the Spurs kind of the Spurs bias in the media as well like Mm-hmm. Because the fucking the clamor around the the Lacazette penalty as well is just been oh yeah no I I I was not happy about that myself 
So yeah, I totally agree with you on that. But what I will say, is yeah, to... like it's it, it's mad. Like when you see he seems to pick attacking teams, mm. but with a defensive tactic, and he seems to think that like it'll balance it out because the team will be solid at the back, and then because you've got all this attacking talent on, yeah, there's like a flash of inspiration, and somebody will do something like. That, that's always kind of been his approach, though. In fairness, like he's always he's yeah. always been interested in coaching defenses more because they're in his mind they're the ones that need the actual time in training. Yeah, well, we've said it before. Yeah, we've said it before that like he looks up, looking at his own defense. You yeah, know, he doesn't because really fuck what happens up front really. Now that was at Chelsea when he could literally buy anybody. <laughs> yeah. um, and plus he had the personnel to do it like you didn't have to train yeah. Jogba to finish he had to do that you had, same with Lampard fa- Lampard was perfect exactly. for that. In, in all fairness so if you've got like Eden Hazard running your attack like you don't need to focus too much on what you're doing no. like. and that's the thing like he, he does have the ingredients there like he has Son and, and Kane and they've they have organically made a partnership there and now Bale is trying to join in and Mora is there as well and like you can see from his point like you know like he doesn't have to work on like the likes of Kane and Son. They know what they're doing. But the thing about it is that um, when they do have to go up against a team to have a plan and do have a strategy, uh, the actual kind of like the improv, the improvised nature of the Spurs side very kind of comes out. And uh, it kind of shows like he doesn't really add that much to the, to the squad himself. No, um, no. I think actually the best description of the North London Derby I've seen was... Arsenal had a plan, but not really the players to execute the plan, whereas Spurs have a better start in 11, but no plan yeah. whatsoever. Now, I don't fully agree with that. I don't really think Spurs have a better starting 11, but they definitely have a more settled one than we do. Mm. Um, I, w- I would say that um, they're more kind of cunning. They have more cut, like they, they, they know how to buy a dive. They know how to, they know mm. how to see the game out. When I say that, uh, when they when they play against us, they tend to know how to do that. But um, I'm glad yeah. they forgot it on this occasion. Yeah, and um, and like I said, in this kind of week that Spurs have had, um, what's kind of like really uh, kind of made me kind of take into perspective, and the reason why I want to talk about it this week is because supposedly, if you were to believe the Daily Mail, and obviously I don't believe the Daily Mail, um, because most of their articles are on the skin color of Meghan Markle's child. So why would I believe anything they say? But one, one thing they did say was that supposedly Mourinho's job will be gone if he doesn't get top four. Now, I'm not saying that's unrealistic, but they're currently eighth. And every team above them is, is let's be fair, better than Spurs. And I'm throwing West Ham in that, in that category oh, yeah. as well. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, and Everton. Um, yes, absolutely. Like, no, um, well, it depends on what you mean by if you think it's unrealistic. If you think it's unrealistic that they're going to make that they won't make top four. No, they're not going to make top four. Hmm. If you think it's unrealistic that he's going to lose his job, I think so, yeah. Because, as I said before, Ornstein is reported. There is a no-break clause in his contract. He's contracted through the end of 2023, and he's on 21 million quid a year. Hmm. So that's the guts of 60 million quid if they want to get rid of him. Totally. (laughs) He could have um, a change of heart and, you know, mutually cancel his contract. I doubt. I doubt that'll ever be the case. I mean, like, sorry, I, I was pausing. I was pausing for the canned laughter there. Do you fucking see Jose giving up? Jose leaving cash on the table. The fuck? Nah. Are we talking about a different Jose Mourinho? Yeah. 
<laughs> it's the one from the Amazon oh, documentary no where he's a heart of gold. <laughs> this is no. the part. This is this is what he does. This is why he borns out. This is why he flames out in three seasons. He mm. gets these ludicrous contracts and then runs the team into the ground to the point where they're just like, I'm done with this cunt. And then he's just like, well, if you want me out of here, here's my contract. I'll I'll take the money. I won't say no, but you're yeah. going to have to give me the money. You know? Totally. And then and the manager's like, well, this can't continue. You know? Yeah. No, I, and, I, I, well, and the I thing is, that. like, it's starting already at Spurs because doing what he did at Chelsea when he got sacked because... You know, he's saying every single post-match press conference, and they've been hilarious, yeah. right? But every single post-match press conference has basically been him saying, I have told the players what to do. They're just not doing it. He's like, then you're not doing your job. This is my point. <laughs> mm. I mean, Loris, I'm like, I don't know if any of you have watched Hugo Lloris's post-match I interview. I have, Holy yes. Fuck. I'm like, we always went on, I'm like, we went on for fucking months and I take no shame on that, but we went on for quite a while about David Luiz's mm. level of extreme candor in his in the first post-match interview of the Arteta era, where he was just basically saying, the manager's telling us what to do, and what, he, what we're doing is right. We're just not physically fit enough to do it. Mm. <laughs> you know, and people were like, holy fuck, man, like, Jesus. But yeah, I think I think Lloris's post-match interview after the Dinamo Zagreb game has probably taken that biscuit because Definitely. my fucking god, he, he generally looks like somebody like tr- attempting to like recover from like a serious traumatic incident, <laughs> like like somebody's trying to kill him with a knife or something like that. And he's being interviewed by the police, like it was <laughs> it was harrowing. It was truly a harrowing looking interview. I was like fucking hell. Like he looks like he's trying to describe a fucking like a violent, serious violent incident. He's just witnessed. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, it, was like, it, was, it was as close to shell shock as you'd get in the modern age. But, like, Very much so. Like, you know, fuck yeah. me. I was just kind of going, like, kind of feel slightly bad for the guys. Like, here. Mm. Like, oh, I hope the fucking uh, club psychologist knows how to treat PTSD because. But, but you know the way this, this is what I found fascinating about that was the fact that, like, with Louis, with, with, with doing an interview like that, like, we know, you, you know how this goes, lads, with, with, like, footballers, they're media trained and they know exactly how to keep on point and don't say, don't give anything away. The fact that this is the club captain, kind of letting in, letting people know that they're, that, that camp is not happy, that, that camp is not right, like, fundamentally, that they weren't ready to win that match, they weren't ready to see it out. And, and then you have the weird stuff with Joe Hart. Now, I know he, he's blaming his social media team on that. I don't know how much, like, gravity he wanted. Oh, man, that was far, far. I had a good chuckle at that. That was, just, yeah, that was just, like, rotten timing. But, again, the point still stands. Like, that camp is clearly not in sync. There is no, there's no joined-up thinking there. And, and ultimately, I think Mourinho is perhaps a symptom of that because, um, as you said, like, there's, there's, club, there's players just frozen out of the squad unnecessarily. Um, the, any kind of, like, ambition, any drive that the team has is all boiled down to Son and Kane. They're the better ones. Everyone worked to them. And... And yes, obviously, short term it worked out, but long term now you can kind of, or even medium term, you're kind of seeing, like, if those two aren't fine, like Son has pulled his hamstring, and that whole team is now falling apart because Kane has no one to play with. You know, Bale can't do the mileage, and Mora doesn't have the finishing. So it's. I will, and, I will and, say one thing in. The, I will say one thing in that game. Bale very, very much looked like a, a player who's had to play six full games in sixteen days. Yes. <laughs> That's the thing, especially when his fitness levels are 19 not... 19 days, sorry, 19 yeah. days. Apologies, 19 days. 
So, well, yes, six games in 19 days he's had to play, and he's played every fucking minute of them. Yeah, and it's it's funny you should, you should make the cut. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? That's yeah. all you had to do? Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. But um, but the, the the great thing is, like, I'm I'm kind of thinking like this now. I'm just I'm thinking if I was Daniel Levy, yes, I know there's so much money at play here. But look, look at how much money they're they're giving to Bale. Obviously, that's not an issue for him. Um, I cut my losses. I really, really Six, would. No, no, man. 60 million, Sixty million is not cutting your losses. Because we both know, right? We all know Mourinho will not accept a cent less than what he's contractually entitled to. And so people may say, ooh, but he's entitled to that. Blah, 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 whatever the fuck, whatever. If you offer somebody 40 million quid to leave their job and they go, no, I want the full 60, that guy's a greedy cunt. <laughs> you know? Fair enough. Fair You're not starving for the lack of 20 million quid, pal, right? You can fuck yeah. right off. But we all know... Let let's just say let's just let's just say he's three years left in his contract, twenty one million quid. Let's say sixty three million. If Levy walks in and says, "Here's forty million in a suitcase," here's mm. forty million. Get the fuck, rip your contract up. He will say no. We know this. Of course, that I I don't I, I'm, I'm so, not scared. But sixty but but sixty three million quid, right? Or say whatever. However, it, it's tens of millions in a pandemic year when they badly need a team rebuild. Mm. to pay all of that money to get rid of the manager not counting what they'd have to pay to get in another manager not mm. that there are that many around right now mm-hmm. I mean like no it's also, also there aren't they know so well there, are, there aren't any managers in the world capable of bringing this team to win a trophy no like not unless they want to, not unless they want to sign like a bank robber as a manager and have them steal one. Like they're probably trying to build up the league cup, aren't they? In the league cup final, the, yeah, but that's, but that's that's against City. That's a league cup cup final. That's a league cup final against City, and that's going to be literally. It's been pushed back so much. That's literally going to be like the last game of football of this season. So City probably will be facing down like a double, maybe a treble. Yes. Um. And that's the, the League Cup is what they're going to need to cap that. Like, mm. they're going to fucking... Like, is anybody here under any illusions that City aren't just going to fucking roll them? Yeah, no, as far as I remember, the League Cup is like a week before the FA Cup. So I think it works out as... Um, I think it's on the 25th of April. So I think it's like 25th of April and then it's the end of the Premier League, then it's the FA Cup final and then whatever, like... like Obviously, I'm assuming they would be Dortmund here in this, in this situation. So they'd have a semi-final in between those games as well. So it's all good. It's all big matches from for City in that point on. Mm-hmm. So, like depending on your point of view, they're either completely in the groove and they're winning all those matches, or Pep Guardiola's doing the whole like oh, scratching head, how do I beat Haaland type uh, mentality, and um, that he could have at that point. Um, but the re- the reason I brought up that con- conversation about Mourinho is that I found it very odd. I don't know if you guys have noticed this as well, but. The fact that there is, and, and this I know this happens like every now and then about the likes of Harry Kane and so forth, but there is a quite a lot of people speculating about Kane's future. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Harry Kane strikes to me as an out and out Spurs player. Like, he, he, strike, he strikes me as someone who'd be like a one club player. He'd stay there for the rest of his, the rest of his career and he'd be happy to do that. I don't think so. Right. Now, He's this, this, this spells good. Yep. <laughs> but this is, this is the reason I'm bringing this up because, like, I find it very unusual that like, people keep trying to bring this up. I'm thinking, like, is that because there's something in that Spurs camp saying so? Because, again, the people that are bringing this up are, like, uh, 
uh, are kind of like agent or people like attached to agents and so forth and have the kind of inside track. And then you have the stuff with Delhi Alley as well. And you do kind of have the feeling that that camp has been split up a little bit. Like, and you mentioned the, the a rebuild there. And I'm going to be honest, lads. Out of all the managers in the world, I would want in charge of a squad rebuild. Jose is not that man. Well, I, I, I want him in charge of the Spurs rebuild because he's going to fuck it up. He can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but uh, so, I, I will admit that as a somewhat unique perspective on the mm. thing. Like, we desperately want Jose to try and rebuild that team because he can't do that shit. He don't do that. Absolutely. You know, He's the guy you give the blank check to when he goes spend 100 million quid on Pogba. Mm. You know, that's the type of, that's the kind of manager he is. Um, but fuck, man, yeah, it's like it's, it's going to be brilliant. To get rid of him, they're going to have to probably auction off a stand. It's entirely <laughs> possible. But you know, and you know, the, the crazy thing is, like, and the, like this is, even if Mourinho does stay like the next year or two, I can't see them get any better than eight. Like, the, no, I think no, 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 no. And that's the brilliant thing about this, right? To mm. get rid of him, they'll absolutely have hamstrung themselves. It yeah. won't make them any better. And the people that they're going to get in are probably going to be just as bad, if not worse. I think there's one person they'll they'll pick, right? And I, I, I do believe I do believe this is the this fight. <laughs> Thierry Henry. No, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> It's someone. It's, it's someone who like the Spurs like have had before, um, and uh, it perhaps depends on how the season goes and how it ends. But I think the next Spurs manager is going to be Scott Parker. I think that because he was there, he was their under twenty threes manager before taking the Fulham gig, yeah. or going to Fulham and being their assistant manager. So Scott he has, Parker. So he has like previous there, and I'm thinking like if I'm Daniel Levy and I wanted to kind of recapture that. Pochettino magic, if you want to call it that. I know it didn't end up being be magic. The Arteta, like, you know, potentially, model, yeah. Like, it's forever in our shadow. <laughs> well, well, that's, well, well they, can't copy, they can't copy the, to- the trophy winning aspect of it, so they might as well just go with the rest of it. Midfielder who played for us. <laughs> By and large, yeah. I mean, like, it's that's with the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's got nice he's hair. Good. Does, does. Yeah, he's lovely, lovely hair. Sounds well with the streets. But, um, but the thing is, like, <laughs> Uh, but the thing with that model is that, like, for a team like like Arsenal and, and Spurs, and perhaps even um, well, not Man United now because they're further of the league. But that model of like, we know we're not going to win, right? We're not a, a fully ready team yet, but there is we need to start like uh, kind of making ground and making something work in order to start uh, climbing up the league again. Spurs are kind of in that position now where they need to do that because they've had their high day with the Pochettino years. And those players have burnt out. They're all going to go. And you do need the right person in charge to take that team forward. Likewise with Arteta. You know, like that, like th- those Wenger years were so long and so like either productive or unproductive depending on your point of view. You needed to go somewhere else. Emery didn't work, fair enough. But now you have someone who you can kind of like say, right, well, we don't have any major expectations for this novice of a, of a manager. Let's give him the time. Let's give him the chance because there's a lot of goodwill there. Likewise with Scott Parker. If they went the same route with that system, like that gives them two or three years to say, oh, well, we're finishing eight here, but it's because we have a novice manager and we're building a new squad. That could take three years in a post-pandemic transfer window. Like I think it's, if I, if I was me, I would have said like maybe next year Mourinho, but like by all means, keep Parker on fucking on your, on your, on your phone because I think he is the guy. Look at what he's doing with the Fulham team. Like that is a bang average championship team to me and half of them are lone ease. And he's getting results against Liverpool. He's getting like he's getting good games out of those players as well. With very creative tactics. 
as you yeah, speak, I, don't, I just saw that there, yeah. As you're speaking, Jonathan. <laughs> just completely uh, yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But um but even then, like like I do think like there's a good manager there and like um like like I think Spurs do need to actively do something. Like it's it, it's only gonna get worse from here. They might win the League Cup because of Guardiola overcooking his brain, but it's it's not overall long term, it's not a good solution, especially with the amount of money they're hemorrhaging over this guy as well. It's not, it's not fucking worth it. Well, but the thing is, is like getting rid of Mourinho is just going to be so expensive. Yeah, think... getting rid of Mourinho and then how much mm. compensation do they have to pay Fulham to get Scott Parker's Fulham out of Fulham? Yes. Like, there's so much money involved for a club that, you know, had to sell their cheese room. Um, so I, don't think there's, um, I don't think there's much of a happening. Who sees it like... Assistant coaches, one of Jose's guys, but is there anyone in the internal setup that could take I'd say, over? yeah, I'd say Jose would have a whole no. backroom staff, they'll all have yeah. to be paid off. Yeah, actually, there is one, the only one is Ledley King. Ledley King is the um, is the fitness coach, I think, ironically enough. Um, because <laughs> Ledley King used to do no, no, I'll tell you what, the reason I say that was because the the the, the fact about Ledley King was he never did like the training regimes at the club, he always used to do his own ones. Um, so whenever he was like training, like with with Spurs, he used to have his own training programs. He made them himself rather than doing the ones that, like, say, Yall and others had there. So he used to train by himself all the time, and weirdly enough, retired when he was twenty nine. Funny how that works. But um, but yeah, no, he's he's, <laughs> I suppose he's like one of the actual like originals there. And is Muamba there as well? No, he's not. No, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of someone else. But no, Lady King would be the actual like if you wanted to go with the Arteta route and internal appointments, he would be the closest. But definitely because Parker was in the system already, he's kind of perhaps uh, a better candidate. This is why it's in my yeah, head. Yeah, but like the thing about the Spurs thing is that it's just been rebuild after rebuild after rebuild. That's the thing, yeah. Like they need to just, they can't keep fucking doing this. Like, no. the, thing, the thing that I find like bizarre about Tottenham is that when um, the start of the season and they were kind of going on a good run and it was kind of clean sheets and stuff like that, but everyone was looking at that defense, going, "Clean sheets isn't your natural stance. Uh, mm. You know, this is not natural for you. You're going, you know." And I think I don't know. I could see it. Um, the other sport, Spurs supporters that I know could see this one, but like Jose Mourinho has kind of been known for being his like the, def- the defensive part of both coach that doesn't yes. allow goals to get scored, like. You look at the players that he physically brought in. Matt Doherty isn't a, the most attacking fullback like Wolves had, and that's yeah, saying wing back. yeah, exactly like wingback. And if he played fullback, it was only because like he was getting a rest from being a wingback. Mm-hmm. Well, not not even that. It's just like with Doherty. See, Doherty at Wolves was a wingback, so he could always depend on people covering him behind him. And this is yeah. what I said actually when he first signed him. It was like when. They signed him, right? Not only did they sign a diehard gunner, but uh, <laughs> uh, he was acting as a secret agent. Yeah, like, there's a brilliant. Did you see the brilliant photo captioned from the North London Derby of him desperately trying to tackle Taney? <laughs> and it's just like it's a freeze frame of just about when Taney's about to sling across way past him, and Doherty just can't stop him. And the caption on it is. Um, Kieran Taney roasts an Arsenal fan during the <laughs> North London derby. Uh, it's just brilliant. But like 
the, what what the thing is is that like he bought Doherty. Doherty played as a wing back, so that means he'd cover both front and center, both front and back, for yes. when he would do the marauding. Where, however, at um, Spurs, he's got he's being played as a fullback, and he has Bale, and Bale doesn't track back, and yeah. Bale doesn't stick in the defense. So Doherty is basically expected to be an entire flank on his own. Oh, he's so yeah, exposed. He's like, it's like goes in Reno, saw McCabe do it, and it's like, well, why can't my Irish person do that? <laughs> <laughs> but why doesn't mine look like that? Yeah, why doesn't my Irish player look like that? <laughs> so as I said, but, uh, so yeah, as he probably sees as Coleman as doing that at fucking Everton as well and going, <laughs> My one just sounds a little different. <laughs> I signed the wrong Paddy. Fuck, I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, as we said, um, Spurs very much uh, had a rotten week because they were knocked out of Europe. Speaking of Europe, um, the Champions League draw happened uh, Ooh, today. What a segue. Nice one. I know. Wasn't that elegant? Elegant elephant through a fucking bus. Um, so uh, the actual quarterfinal draw looks like this. So... We have the Holland Derby, lads. It's Man City versus Borussia Dortmund. Um, quite a tasty match. Not the tastiest in the quarters, but I'm still looking forward to it. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, funnily enough, I'd rather kind of like, you know, have a very spiked fruit inserted violently into my anus than watch Manchester City play a game. But I might actually watch that one. It's it's it is that kind of like question was like can Holland just like ruin Pep Guardiola's day before Pep Guardiola ruins it himself, you know that's the that's the kind of question I'm having and of course like Sancho going back to his to the ground to the club that basically told him to fuck off to is also quite exciting as well, uh, but I don't think even Sancho will play. He hasn't been a I think he has he's either injured or just in really bad form supposedly. Just not really doing it for Dortmund, but anyway, it's most it's been mostly Haaland, um, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Because oh, fairness, when you've got Haaland, that's you don't need much else. all you need. Like he is, yeah, just, much it. you're sorted. He is a fucking animal. Like I don't. He's known by the Dortmund fans as the Casey McCabe of Dortmund. <laughs> I have heard that actually. I have heard that before. Yeah, they look very similar yeah. in terms. Um, but yeah, like he's just he he's a monster, and I don't see. I, I it's ridiculous how easy he makes it look, mm. like scoring goals, like scoring just ridiculous fucking goals. Like he's just yeah, it is it is quite crazy, you know. Like there there is like a whole lot of reasons why people are saying like he is the Ronaldo to the Mbappe Messi. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sorry, Barbara, you were saying there. Um, he seems uh, definitely more wholesome than Ronaldo. Like he doesn't seem like he just seems so happy when he scores. It's just like yeah. not like Ronaldo when he scores is not happy for oh little yay team. It's like oh how sexy do I look when I do this celebration? And whereas he's just like yay I did it I did a goal. Daddy are you proud? <laughs> I love it. I love you have this beautiful wholesome image of like Holland in your head. And apparently he's like a meme lord backstage. Apparently, like he's properly like he's probably oh, no, one no, of those. He's, he's got well, he's got a bit of shithousery. Like there, there was the whole the viral clip of him slagging off the goalkeeper because he he had a penalty. He was taking a penalty, missed mm. it, and. The goalkeeper ran at him and started ah, ah, Adam. Oh, he does a and then the penalty had to be 
taken. The penalty had to be retaken because <laughs> the goalkeeper had come off his line. Yeah. Uh, like mile, he, he fairly come off his line, like, and then obviously Halland slots home the second one, and then obviously he just he runs at the goalkeeper, screaming at him, causing all the other players was the the other players to just run after him, going, "What are you doing that for? Like, are you fucking serious? Like, what you mean, bother by doing that for? You fucking go talk to your own keeper, all right? Don't dish it out if you can't take it, cunt. Mm. You know, <laughs> great." But um, but yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to that one in particular because um, like, are we giving Dortmund a chance here? Like, it's it's an outside. But chance, when you but... when you've got when you've got somebody like Haaland, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's not as if like CE are replete, but like elite tier defenders who can maybe contain that guy. True, um, true. The problem, the the issue is, is that like Haaland is the kind of player that Pep ties himself up in knots, f- trying to figure out how he'll nullify. Mm. And then, you know, he will. I mean, we, we've even said it before on this podcast. It was like, you know, I, I live in the hope that Pep eventually overthinks his Champions League game so much to the point where he actually wins it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's there, like, always sunny, just like, I've got it this time. I've got it this time. Yeah, he's got it this time. I've got it this time. Like, he's just going to law of averages his fucking yes. champion. He's going to law of average his, himself into a semi final. Um, so yeah, like I, not overthink his outfit for a game so much <laughs> that he's just like the match is kicked off, and they're like, "Where's Pep?" And he's just like, "These shoes with this runners with these." Yeah. He's got know? a he's got a wardrobe assistant who's been like, "Pep, seriously, you've been in here for three days. The game has started. <laughs> Shut up. It's over. It's done." <laughs> what about these shoes? If it's raining, I'm gonna need these shoes. <laughs> I love I love again the the fashionista Pep Guardiola there. Um it's a good thing we never got like a, a Guardiola Nagelsman uh, match or else we'd just never see it here the end of it. We just bear both taking tips <laughs> off each other like it'd be terrible. Um the other matches in the quarterfinals is the uh, Mourinho derby, uh, Porto versus Chelsea, Shithouses versus Boring Bastards. Um who have you got in this one, lads? Tuchel. I uh, Chelsea. Uh, we were actually talking about this beforehand. I was just like Look, Porto mm. are punching way above their weight, and they do deserve applause and much pundit, as much praise as is possible. Yes. They're succeeding massively, um, in, with a like a wage bill that's like fucking not even a, a fifth of other teams in their league that they play yeah. in, and they're just killing it. But they are prone to getting steamrolled, and Tuchel is coming in with like a quarter billion of talent freshly bought for him. Mm-hmm. Well, not for him, but you know what I mean. Well, he was bought in for, yeah. Plus all the change of all the rest of that squad, and I just think he's just going to moneyball them out of it. It's going to be boring. It's not going to be a game that you're going to want to watch. It's not going to be a game that's going to live on in memory. It's not going to be a game of any kind of highlight reels other than oh my god, anybody remember this pile of gack? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's it, it's. Chelsea all the way. Tuchel steadied the ship too much. If it was fucking Lampard, I'd be watching this because who knows what had happened. You know? yes. I, I have to agree with Neil. I think Tuchel has too much talent to lose it in comparison to Porto. Um, mm. Porto are playing in a dog shit league where their main title contenders of last season, um, Benfica, just got knocked out of the Europa League by a lackluster Arsenal team. 
and have been in the worst form of their lives. Sporting Lisbon, never really there or thereabouts. So they're coming in from such a lower bar than all the other teams. Um, again, like that fair fucks them for getting this far, um, but I can't see them getting past this stage. Yeah, I, 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 again, I, I was playing devil's advocate earlier on, but yeah, I, I do think Chelsea have nothing else for them. The weird thing about the Porto team is that like, like Pepe is there and he's like 38 and he's been perhaps their best player this season. And this is a lot for a team that have like, like so Felipe Anderson, who's on loan from West Ham, and he's their main playmaker, does very little. So like the like the, they they are accidentally scrappy, if that makes sense. Like the actual some of the talent is there, but they don't um they're not to their full potential. And whereas the actual dogged rough players, the likes of your Pepe and Grujic, who's on loan from Liverpool, they're the ones doing well. But of course the, the manager is very like unpleasant himself. So it seems like it's like a very kind of Simeone complex where they're in where they like the misery. And they like enforcing the misery on other people. So, like, I do feel like it's it's a case of where like Chelsea will just be able to like attrition, like just have enough class to get through. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be the football equivalent of a much heavier man just lying on top of a lighter guy until he taps out. That's it. Him. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 what we call the great Kali of uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly in the business. Um, otherwise, here's a here's a fucking heavyweight clash in of itself, lads. PSG versus Bayern Munich, a repeat of the final. Um, That's actually going to be quite good. Yeah, that is going to be interesting. Um, because the the weird thing about it is that like the P- this is still a very weak PSG side. Like Pochettino has not had the effect that he's really wanted. Although let's be fair, for what the type of team he has and wants, he'd need a preseason to get those players working. And it's actually, even for PSG, it's an incredibly threadbare squad um, because, again, all the money's like hooked up in Neymar and Mbappe. So uh, I, I still reckon Bayern uh, might go through, but even then, Bayern have their own frailties as well. So it's a weird one. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, Bayern, it's a different Bayern because they've got Kimmich running it in midfield now because Thiago was bought for 10 bob and a pickled egg. Indeed. Um, you know, I, I, I think I agree with you. I think Bayern, I think Bayern overall just have a much stronger squad. When you yes. counter in, like I was about to say, as I said before, players like Kimmich. I mean, like I can't, I can't fucking stand Lewandowski. Um, I hate the cunt. I really hope he dies. I truly hope he dies. <laughs> just die. Um, but when you consider the other players as well, like they got Sane. They've got Coleman, Gnabry. Gnabry. Yeah. yeah, you know, so like that's it. They've got lots on the flank, which PSD don't really have, and they've got good a lot through the middle as well. So yeah, so my 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 head says it's gonna be close. It's gonna be like an entertaining kind of goal thriller, uh, but I I do. I hate the fact that I have such a soft spot for Bayern mm. because they are like such a big club and they absolutely like rallied us whenever we played them. But they have some absolutely fantastic players that you cannot, like I loved Gnabry when he played for Arsenal and I was sickened when he left. And mm. I'm, I'm really glad in a way that he actually is doing well because I'm like, I'm vindicated in my sadness for him going. <laughs> um, 
But no, uh, and Coleman, from watching the Bundesliga last year, like Coleman is just, oh, he is unreal. And I think, I know you've mentioned him in their list of good players, but he is one of the most underrated players. Just watching him, um, his control for like, kind of at the time he was playing like kind of defensive at the, you know, and then just breaking up the, uh, oh, it was just, yeah, he's one of my favourite players to watch um, in mm. any of the leagues, and that's saying a lot. Um, so I would like Bayern to do well just because I like those two particular players. I don't have your hate for Lewandowski, um, Neil. Um, Lewandowski. Get, get it right. Yeah, Dowski. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I, I also really like um, Thomas Muller. Um, I think he is one of the funniest footballers I've ever seen. He's like he's, he's funny in a way that like somebody who's deeply, deeply. By the way, I don't like Coleman either. I mean, I think he's a good player, but fundamentally, as a person, he's a disgusting human being. Um, I feel like I don't know what you're talking about, and maybe I don't want to. Yeah, he's pled guilty to assaulting his girlfriend. Oh, well, yeah. like, man, that's just ruined everything yeah. for me. Like, his, his girlfriend was a model and apparently beat her so badly she couldn't go to work. And then he, had to, he just pled guilty to it. Uh, mother of his child as well. Well done, mm. that man. Oh, um, well, okay, well, I'm going to rethink this. Gabri's <laughs> a great player, Burkhardt, isn't he? Gabri's a fantastic a player, player, yeah. Like, but uh, no, I, I like what we get out of Muller is that Muller is funny in the the way that somebody who is deeply unfunny but thinks they are hilarious is funny, if you get me. Like, the man, like, he's a joke killer. Yes. He's just a joke killer. I mean, I will never get over it. I was walking down the road listening to the Second Captain's podcast and they were talking about Muller at a press conference and I must have looked like a fucking complete lunatic because I was howling with laughter. It was just walking down the road howling what they were playing Muller the press conference where he's like he he makes a pun on Lewandowski's name is like we have Robert Lewandowski yeah and it's just silence like nobody responds and then he goes then he decides oh no wait they didn't get the joke I'm gonna tell it again and he goes uh Robert Lewandowski and then he just continues on like after getting complete silence the second time and I was fucking creased up laughing. He's just, I agree with you, he is funny, but not in the way he thinks he is. Oh, yeah, no, I, I fully, fully, fully appreciate fucking, that. Though. Oh, man. He's a brilliant player. That's what we call the uh, Michael McIntyre complex. Oh, man. No, he's a brilliant player. I will, I will get it, but like, fuck me, his press conference is a solid cringe goal. His style of play is um, Viv esque. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think I, I have a, such an affinity for him. Hmm. Like he's certainly a player that's like since um since Kovac left the Bayern job and, and Flick took over. I, again, Flick was a again a, quite an internal appo- appointment. Like he's someone who's been in the Bayern uh, makeup for for years, so he knows how to make that team work. And the first thing he did was bring Muller in because Muller embodied the Bayern side. It was a case of like. Like the, the nickname he has is Randizer, which is space investigator. It's very cool, actually. And the, uh, the whole thing, is, the whole the whole thing about that that position is that like he doesn't have a position. He literally goes where it's free. If there's no if there's no one in that area, he goes there and asks for a pass, and he makes something else work. And that is such a 
it's such a very hard thing to coach because that's all football intelligence. That's all, like, you couldn't, you couldn't suddenly tell, like, you, you would take months to get a player to do that naturally. Whereas with Muller, it's instinct. It's something that he just does nor himself anyway. Yeah, it'd be like trying to teach Bergkamp how, it's like trying to teach Bergkamp how he does all the, half the shit he does. It's like, absolutely teach him how to do that. He just knows, he knows, oh, I wait to pass like this, it's going to go to that guy and the defender's not going to be able to get to it. You can't coach that to a guy. You have to tell him, like, look, get into this pass, I'll have Thierry run. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> like, tell Thierry yeah. when you want to, tell Thierry to run, and I'm going to tell Thierry when he tells you to run, <laughs> run. And mm. then guess what? You're going to get the goal. He's going to get the goal. You're going to get the assist. You know, that's yeah. that's that's just it. I'm you know, you can't yeah. so much coach them. That's why Wenger was really good with players like yeah. that. He was fantastically good because he understood instinctively, I need to let this guy do his thing. Yeah, often to his detriment, like with players like fucking Anelka. Anelka was another player that just could not be coached, but was mm. just unbelievable. No, totally. I, I totally There's a really agree great with... article on the in the Athletic about him. Really yeah. great article. Felt like it a uh, full long read to him. But um, but then again, funnily enough, for all we've said about like Bayern's dominance and Bayern's team, the high chance this will just be a fucking. It'll just be PSG doing uh, PSG forwards like having a, a World Cup pot shot at Manuel Neuer. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> very much like it, it could be. just break down, and it's just Mbappe and name. It's just Mbappe. Well, not Neymar because it's his sister's birthday, but um, it's it could be just Mbappe and the rest of the Paris Saint Germain forwards just fucking <laughs> taking shots at fucking Neuer. Just like yeah. Neuer's like, guys, help. Hello. He's there. It, it's good. It'll be one up. It'll, de- it'll definitely be one I'm watching. Indeed. Indeed. And the last one is certainly one I will be obliged to watch because it will be known as Mohamed mm-hmm. Salah's Revenge. It's Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Um, I do believe we are bringing back Lars Karius just so he can um, headbutt uh, Sergio Ramos. <laughs> just get him back, you know? Um, man and all Comes that. in fucking full on. It gives him an elbow drop that macho man Randy Savage would be proud of. Oh, I, I was thinking tactically more like a more like a big a big fucking like big daddy V splash. I was thinking like proper like, <laughs> fuck you, win the break the fucker's ribs. Like your hatred for Lewandowski is very very similar to the one I have for Sergio Ramos. I just want nothing but misfortune for that man. I want him to lose everything. I want him to be on the streets. I want him to have a heroin addiction. I don't care. I just want that man's career ruined. I want him to be cancelled. I want him to be invaded by K-pop stands. I want him to have mm. chlamydia. I well, want the, thing, the, the, the good thing about this game is that, like, from a Liverpool standpoint, the good thing about the game is that, like, this is not the Real Madrid of three years ago, really four amazing. years ago. But unfortunately, really this is also not the Liverpool team of three or four years ago. Yeah, I just want. Could you? I, 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 right. I, again, I, I'm. I'm very much getting my head on myself because I know for certain we're still going to be with two centre backs for that point on. We're not going to have Van Dijk or Gomez for the rest of the season. We've, we've kind of established that. And Fabinho hopefully will stay in the midfield, and we might have Henderson back at that point, so we might have a bit more balance. But just to, just wanting to see Nat Phillips, who, as we all know now, is Liverpool's best player ever at this point, <laughs> against like Benzema. And Benzema trying to figure out what the fuck is Nat Phillips. <laughs> like, like honestly, like I, I like no word of a lie. Like Phillips was incredible against Leipzig. Like I have like fuck me, it was like seeing Carragher again. And I'm I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke up his arse. Like the guy just plucked balls out of the air. Like it was like it was catching practice. It was amazing. But the thing is, like sometimes you need a player like that in your squad, where someone who is isn't skillful or 
technically minded. He just fucking clears the ball and lets anyone else deal with it. Because sometimes, when, like with stuff of playing out of the back, that's stuff that fucks you up initially. And because you, if you have that kind of Satan, if you have players in front of you that can pick up the ball, happy days. But sometimes it's it's something really satisfying about watching just someone just hoof the ball and just forget about it. This is not my fucking problem. I, I think I think the best thing you're gonna watch is on the wing play. You've much mm. better fullbacks than they do. Yes. And sure. like, you know, you, you're gonna. There's a high chance that they're gonna keep Vasquez as their right back. Is it right back or left? He is, he's back. playing right back. Uh, right him, back. Yes. Yeah. He plays right back. So it's <laughs> he'll be up against Sadio Mane. And he's that's number ten be, by trade. Just to point out, by the way, he's a number ten yeah, by exactly. trade. playing right back. That's going to be a hilarious mismatch if he go if he's fielded against Mane. He's going to need help. Mm. <laughs> like well, you might be, like, and after this game, it might be psychological. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like getting on to Larissa's PTSD. Game. Yeah, exactly. Get on to yeah. Get on. Hugo knows a few guys. Yeah. Zidane has got a good. It, it's basically just a gunfight because Zidane's got a front four. He's got actually. He's focused mostly on getting his attack working. So he's got Modric, who by the way at thirty five is actually playing better than he ever has. Mm-hmm. Oh my um, god. Cruz as well. Cruz has clicked into gear in the way he can. And um, that's why, like, they've loaned out people like Sabayos and Odegaard. Like, they just can't get into the fucking team ahead of these guys who are like. Take Sabayos back. I wouldn't mind keeping Odegaard. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's another discussion. <laughs> that's, a, that's another discussion we can have another podcast, actually. That's another <laughs> hour long discussion. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, he has, also, he's got Casemiro. Rocking that midfield as well, like he's a he's always been a good player now, to be honest. Yeah, with yeah, you. he has, yeah. But he's a very coach dependent player, and that if he's a bad coach, he's gonna play bad. If he's got a yes. good coach, he's gonna play great, you know, you know, that type of player. Like, of course, yeah, yeah, no, I get yeah. it's the same thing with a lot of like those defensive shields, they're as good as the drills they've done, exactly. So, and in all fairness, like you were laughing about Nat Phillips up against Karen Benzema, I think Benzema might fancy his chances. Benzema, you'll actually find Benzema might actually target uh Kabak. Oh, totally, yeah. Definitely Kabak, yeah. So like, I, I don't understand that. It, it's it's going to be a dog fight. It's going to be a gunfight. Who can score the most? And, and the, clear, I, 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 on the opposite I, side of the coin is Jota going up against Ramos. Ramos, who's, who's lost all of his pace. And Varane, who, as a defender, has lost all everything that he had. It's, I've never seen... like Varane had this kind of weird like mythos to him where like he was so young and so precocious and so good on the ball as a potential defender. And in those two or three years that Real Madrid have declined, he's declined with them. And to such an extent where like people don't really that value him that much anymore, especially in the French squad side. Such a strange one because like Varane is a good player, but just it, it's just perhaps the um the the anchor that is Real Madrid at the moment that everyone's kind of like look feeling the same kind of weight. And it's gonna be a weird one to see how like the likes of Ajata, who can have that scramble around him. Well, funnily enough, it's going to be the opposite side. And, like, you pay such a high line, and that Nicholas Jr. guy, he's going to go fucking... If he plays. Off. Yeah, if he's he going plays, to... Like, he's going to go... He will play. It, he, like, Zidane's not an idiot. He's maybe, he's maybe not the best coach ever. He's maybe not as good a coach as people think he is. But mm. he's going to look at that high line and just go, I'm going I'm to I'm go pace. He's going to yeah, feel that. Feel, I'm yeah. like, I would. I'm like... Yeah. Like you, can, can you can talk have a, about you more. a front line of Vinicius and Rodrigo and you win the game against us. It's just the yeah. case of if he does that. That's the question, um, yeah. which is very much the case. Um, so the Europa League was, uh, draw was out as well. You guys have got a uh, rather interesting tie. Um, 
<laughs> against Slavia Prague, who have been in the news recently for very unfortunate reasons. Um, but they do have a bit of a pedigree in the competition as they have uh, already knocked out Leicester and Rangers at the moment and are now facing their third UK team in a row. Um, they will fancy their chances. Surely Arsenal have enough to beat them. Yeah. I mean, that match is going to be a bit under a bit of a microscope mm. because of how the racism story goes down. It's not fully... Not fully fleshed yeah. out yet, as, as, we've, as we've spoken, yeah. It's yeah, fully... as it's concluded. But, um, yeah, it's it's just going to think... Was it Glenn Kamara who was... It was Glenn Kamara, yeah. I've actually yeah, seen so it I... myself. It's yeah, so, so like, that's, even, that's, that's, that's even more um, salt for the bay on that one because he's an ex-Arsenal player. Indeed, yeah. Oh, and, and and the weird thing about it is like I've I've seen the incident myself and it's so fucking blatant. It is so blatant. Now, it's granted, awesome. The funny thing is you see yeah, the funny thing because we, we've been making a point of like post match interviews. I thought Gerard was gonna burst into tears. Like He looks so upset about it, yeah. He, he really did. I was like, fuck me, like that's that's the reason why I gave it a lot more weight than I normally would. I was like, Oh yeah, whatever. Fuck it, it's just people's legend. Jared looked like he was going to burst into tears. I was like, "Fuck me, is he going to cry?" Mm. Like, um, fair play to him. Like, fair fucks, you know. Yeah, but he, he'd also seen his team kind of more or less capitulate as well because obviously mm. Kmar Roof uh, got sent off for fucking brogue kicking and Collar the goalkeeper, giving him like a massive oh, fucking God. Harry Potter scar on his head, which is horrendous. It's disgusting yeah. challenge. Um, and I think uh, I think it was either Golson or his partner in defence also got sent off on in the in that game. So they they finished the game with nine men and ended up losing two nil. So I think things were raw already at that point. And then just that racist abuse was the fucking as as salty a wound as you could take it. And it's just it's so needless as well from that player. And I, I sincerely hope whoever that is, he's banned for life because. Um, and I'm not being alarmist there. Like he literally just goes up to Glenn Kamara in particular, him, because again, he's the blackest player on that team and calls him that. And literally like Connor Golson, who's, who's, who's a uh, black himself is an air shot. He hears it. Joe Dodu, who's also black, also an air shot. And everyone just crams in and just wants to kill this fucker. And all the Slavia pride players are going, Oh, we didn't hear anything. What are you talking about? He's not <laughs> yeah, racist. Exactly, yeah. Oh, you fucking cunts. You absolute fucking cunts. And honestly, if they, I would sincerely hope the team gets thrown out of the Europa League for it. Like, I really fucking do. Because it's so blatant. The referee can surely would have heard that as well. So it says more about the referee that he, maybe they didn't take action either. But it must be heard. Like, this is an empty arena. It was televised live. There's a microphone there. You, can, you, you probably will hear it. So I think it will come out. That, and if, if they get thrown out, good. Because they deserve it, quite frankly. Um, for, for shit like that and and how the team basically just like through mud going like oh well, well uh, racism and all that yeah but look our goalkeeper has gone to hospital it was like okay here's an apple here's an orange we'd like to compare them yeah. as well dickheads no, you know like, uh, the like I, I know Arteta is going to be like talking to players like to any of the black players that we're going to field so yeah. in particular like Saka if we're feeling Saka he's going to sit them sit them all down and go look just report what are you here but if you don't just keep the just don't let it get to you that type of thing you know he's yes. gonna sit down he's gonna talk to them I, not I, to ignore I, it or not to just get on with it but he, he's gonna tell them absolutely no issue morally that if there was something said to our team if we walked off the pitch yeah, yeah. no absolutely yeah, yeah. It should. It should if that happens we'll talk about that yeah yeah but 
outside of like the horrendous racism thing, um, it's going to be a, 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 it's probably not going to be the best match to watch. I'm like, they are one of those teams that like not only routinely foul their opposition's attackers every chance they get, but hit the deck every time the wind changes direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's probably not going to be a nice one to watch. Certainly not. Outside of the obvious reasons, you know. For the obvious reasons, yes. It's not um, a nice one to watch for footballing reasons either. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just like overall, it's a bad sign. Uh, Man United got a very overall, good job. Good. <laughs> they got yeah. up, they got the um, they got Granada, which um, uh, have were kind of like uh, uh, I suppose uh, got a very easy draw themselves against Molde. So they've it's, it's been a bit of a free swing for United here. They seem they they've got the semis wrapped up here. Surely, like they they can't really focus up against Granada, can they? Um, well, uh, Granada fuck it up as bad as the guy at work today who said, Oh my god, United, yeah, they got granola in the uh Champions League. <laughs> 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 it, in all fairness, with the amount of injuries poor Granada are carrying, they might actually as well feel like a 10 kilo bag of granola as their <laughs> central midfielder. Although, in all fairness, like I don't I didn't expect Granada to put Napoli out. True, yeah, you know, like, yeah, fair point, uh, but yeah. You know, it should not walk it, but they should definitely win both legs. They should win, yeah, exactly. Um, and the other two are quite. Tasty I mean, they, they're well. like their strike force is like a thirty-eight-year-old and a thirty-six-year-old. Come on, they, they, yeah. Even even Slabhead can keep up with that shit. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so uh, the if other we continued. Tie, <laughs> the other toy is a bit of a, a final in of itself. Ajax versus Roma. Um, Roma a little bit resurgent as of late, not too much, not to alarm everybody. Uh, but Ajax obviously an offcut from the Champions League, and are, uh, they're a decent setup themselves. They're Europa League standard, really, um, from where they are. Um, I would expect Ajax to walk it, to be honest. I think Ajax are, are down to the final, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, I, I would expect my money would be on Ajax. Roma, mm-hmm. like there was much made of Roma being the only Italian team left in Europe. Um, recently, uh, mm-hmm. and that points to like a massive dearth of talent in the Italian leagues and just how it's run. Yes. So there's the, a, a more of a deep dive to go into that outside of that. But yeah, like, yeah, I, I'd expect Ajax even even after their Champions League pillaging. Um, yeah, I expect them to win this one definitely. Mm. And the uh, the final tie then is between Dinamo Zagreb and uh, Good Evening Villarreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've now been renamed and um, this is a close call like like Zagreb again as you saw from the Spurs game there's a bit of there's something in the team uh, but Villarreal do have a much better squad they should in theory win and it's yeah, again, it's like, you know Emery as well so he's got Emery, Emery's gonna Emery's gonna funnily enough Emery's gonna do what Jose said he told his players <laughs> and Mark and Mark Orsic out of the game no, and way. As soon as Orsic is out, like, no, he actually did say that in the in the actual press conference. He said, "I've been showing them." I, he made them watch and watch and watch. Direct quote. He made them watch and watch and watch clips of Orsic's goals, mm. and they went and ship a hat trick to that player. <laughs> so, um, see, that's his thing. He's like, he showed them how to let him score over and over again. That and thing, that's I got the wrong did. idea. That's all it was. It was image training. Yeah. If you're here, you're here, and you're here. He's got a perfect sight line. It's great. Lawrence is gonna catch shit. Perfect um, sight line. Okay. Yeah. So, but 
<laughs> that's the thing. Like Emery's Emery's gonna realize that like outside of Orsic, Zagreb don't have a lot. Yeah, they have and, sold off most of their better talents to like the likes of Leipzig and so forth. But they are a money yeah, ball team. So. They do develop players stupidly well. So um we, we will see how that goes. Um so uh bef- before we get to all of our other business, uh Burkbot, we have to be a little bit patriotic here, seeing this is the week of Paddy's Day. The League of Ireland <laughs> started tonight. Yes, um, currently watching Shamrock Rovers and St. Patrick's Athletic play out in a enthralling nil-all draw uh, so far. I hope, I hope um, everybody on both teams dies. Mom bows for life. And Neil has been and, kicked uh, from the ball, but carry on, Marco. Yeah, no, I uh, just I wanted to give it a shout-out because they've done a lot to do a little bit of promo. Obviously, with COVID restrictions, fans can't come in mm-hmm. to the stadium. And that is obviously quite a financial strain. So the League of Ireland have gone through like a series of ways of trying to get money in. So one of the things is they've signed up to watch League of Ireland, which is a streaming platform, which is a subscription of 60 quid to watch half the season's matches with the the, uh, option of extending that if fans are not yet allowed into stadiums. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. It gives you the options to go back and rewatch matches. Um, the streaming quality has been like flawless. Um, I, I bought my subscription last season and was really happy with it. And when you sign up, you select which team you support. So that a portion of the funds that are made from the streaming service actually go to that team. Yeah. Um, and uh, not only that, but they've also signed up to showcase the WNL, which is starting next week, um, uh, as the SSE are sponsors to the two uh, leagues this season for the first time, and they've upped the prize money for the women's league as well. So, yeah, yeah it's a great, it's a great deal all around, I have to say. That um, I, having lived right beside Richmond Park. Um, didn't manage to go see a live match before COVID and I was um, obviously very raging at that whole thing so wanted to kind of show my support and got re- got really into the league I suppose COVID you know does mm. crazy things to people yeah we're but, a lot of time um, on our hands folks <laughs> no I, I really enjoyed it um, the League of Ireland it, like obviously standard wise if you're watching the Premier League and then you go back to watch the League of Ireland there's going to be a difference but um, it, not in entertainment value there's it's entertaining for different reasons kind of similarly to like if you're looking at women's football versus men's football it's the same yeah. sport but just played tactics and at different levels and uh, interesting nonetheless so yeah give it a give it a go uh, give the League of Ireland a go. Um, I, I think it's going to be a fairly open season. There's been a lot of chopping changing in the transfer markets from all mm. of the teams. You know, Samrock Rovers have strengthened. They brought in Sean Hoare from Dundalk, who uh, Arsenal fans might remember as getting player of the match against us uh, in the Europa League group stages. Uh, him being an Arsenal fan and all, pretty made his day. Um, but yeah, other than that, they, they strengthened defensively. Um, Offensively, they were pretty decent last year, so I don't think they needed strength. Uh, Pats have strengthened in places where they needed strength and brought in a couple of cool new defenders. Um, I don't know about Bowes, Neil, you might know some inside. Bowes for life. Okay. Um, they're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my default uh, uh, response. 
Uh, yeah, no, no, no. We'd be pretty, we'd be pretty good. We got Finn Harps tomorrow, so that should be, mm. you know, that should be all right. Yes, no. Um, the team's solid enough. Um, not been a whole lot of chopping and changing. Um, it's more so like getting funds in correctly that we're, you mm. know, the ship is steady given these weird COVID pandemic times that we've got. So yeah, I mean, uh-huh. and they're doing it with some. Awesome fucking away jerseys. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna like they're a team I don't support, yet I do own their last season's away kit. <laughs> we both do, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, away kit. Um, the the kits actually that's one of the things I want to jump on because obviously fans aren't in the stadiums. The clubs have had to re-put money or put like effort into their jerseys so fans will buy their merch. And um, yeah. that is kind of where the money is going to come from. And oh, I have to say, Umbro have done a number of sexy jerseys. Um, my top three, the most important thing of the pod, I think, uh, is going to be St. Pat's home jersey. Uh, and you're probably like, oh, what? Me being a <laughs> supporter. But no, not just because of the, the fact it's St. Pat's. Uh, because it is the very, very, very reminiscent of the 2005 um, Arsenal uh, kit, home kit, mm. with the gold trim after we became the Invincibles the year before. So um, it is really, really nicely done. I know there's not really enough like a connection between the two clubs, but there is, but there isn't. Um, like just Liam Brady is just enough of a connection, I suppose. Yeah, and Emma. Um, but uh, the uh, next jersey, I have to say, Fontaine's DC Bowes jersey. Yeah, um, like, I, like, just I love football and I love Fontaine's DC and I love jerseys. Like, it's just one combination. And then the that's taking every box you've got. <gasps> what a fucking go! Uh, St. Pat's have just scored, so I'm happy. Ooh, um, and Shamrock Rovers third kit. That's the purple one, isn't it? No, it's black with green sleeves. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking last year's one. But it is... Oh, that is fantastical. Uh, no, um, New Ireland, it is... Um, yeah, no, it is. It has its own drama. And I think, like, the whole thing of its greatest peak in the world. Yeah. Um, I can... For, for banter, maybe. Um, oh yeah that's a nice the design on the green sleeves as well yeah yeah wank that's actually really good isn't it the Shamrock mm. Rovers are a bunch of fucking scum but uh <laughs> and, okay so uh, while Neil gets over himself um, what I would like to say at this point <laughs> is uh, <laughs> well what I would say what I would say to that is like I do see the League of Ireland uh, from my very limited knowledge of the league I see I see that the three horse race this year and um, like Rovers naturally being the defending champions were probably up there. Uh, they've had the, the a lot of the team last year was about Jack Byrne and how like stupidly talented he was. Obviously he went uh, to Cyprus and we also lost lost um, Aaron McAneff, um, which was a very big loss in our midfield. Now in theory we have replaced both those players with Danny Mandrew and uh, and Sean Hoare. And the reason I say that is because Hoare can play right back, whereas and now Finn can go back to his normal spot in the field. So um, that would be the, the theory. Oh, I don't know if it'll play out. Well, Are they just, <laughs> who got the goal? Can you see? Uh, oh, they've just 
No. They're showing a replay. <laughs> no. It was a super cross from Sean Hort, by the looks of things. Uh, nine. But he's number oh, nine. Uh, that was uh, uh, Green, Aaron Green. Must have, must have came in as a sub. There you go now. But yeah, and um, and like I said, I, I do think they they'd be certainly up there because like out of they, I don't think they have the best squad in the league, but they certainly have the best coached team in the league. Like they have a very good system in place with the with the back five and the and the midfield, uh, and they just have some great forward players. Like Graham Burke is going to be there permanently now uh, because he's on loan at Preston, but he's staying he's got he's staying on in the summer. And then we're bringing in Richie Tell, my old school friend from uh, from Salford in the summer as well. So that's a huge get. The League of Ireland because he fucking bossed the league when last time he was over here, so that's a big deal. Um, Dundalk is a weird one because, like, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the Dundalk story, but basically, the guy they had in as coach initially, Filippo uh, Givanoli, right? He's not actually qualified to be a manager, right? Yeah, <laughs> so the League of Ireland have actually tightened up that going, like, no, you can't just have this guy who does summer camps from Milan as your head coach, you need to actually hire a head coach. So fine, we'll get another guy in. So now they have Shane Keegan in as their manager, right? But supposedly Giovanni is still picking the team and doing the training and the taxes. And Shane Keegan is just there to go, I, I told him that. I, 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 I told him that. See, he's good, isn't he? The I, Italian guy, yeah. You know, you know him. He's good. It's such a strange thing. Um, they still have a very good squad. They have a very good squad all the same. Um, and again, because Dundalk have this kind of weird American money ball owners, they're doing mm-hmm. things where they're just bringing in like foreign players that like turn, turn up on their scouting equipment and buy them in and hopefully sell them on. So whatever players they've lost to like uh, clubs in, this, in, the, in the summer, they've replaced with like uh, kind of like foreign, foreign players. Um, probably blue chips because they're, they're all foreign internationals as well. So they are like objectively good players. It just depends on how they do. And the other team I think that are going to push Rovers to the league, and I think it's going to be a two-horse race this year, is Bowles. Um, I was looking at the Bowles team, and I was thinking, like, that's a fucking good team. It's a stupidly young team. Like, I think, yeah, like, we've got a we've got a good few. A couple of players have been called up now to under twenty-one, under twenty-three's actions. Yes, but I think everything is going to go try and go through Georgie Kelly this season. Um, mm. He completed the move, funny enough, from Dundalk. Yeah. Um, so that's it. So we've got, uh, funnily again, another Shamrock. We've got a Shamrock Rovers youngster. Alua, um, Alua, yeah. Alua, yeah. He is great. Um, he's good. He's yeah, very, he's very good. good. And we've also got somebody from Peterborough, uh, Ralt. Bradley Ralt. I'll always call him just Balt. I'm just, I'm just going to mistake that and just make the mistake. But fuck it. We've got mm-hmm. him on loan. So we've totally retooled our attack. Um, mm. All of the dirty money has gone into a fucking pimping training studio. Yes. training facility um, which I believe the women will be allowed to use yes they will be um, the Bose. first club to uh, waive their players fees so um, they're the mm. only or they were the first club I don't know if other clubs have followed suit yet but mm. and they're the first club to not have their pay, players pay to play and mm. it's quite shocking that that's actually Newsworthy first yeah. <laughs> in twenty fucking twenty one. It's crazy. That's that's Irish football lads. They only formed their women's team two years ago as well. Uh, that's just football in general. But fuck true, yeah. yeah. But yeah, like like I said, I do think Bowles will be up there because again, if that if that that kind of youth like 
policy clicks, it will work so much well because they have the energy and, and, and vibrancy to do it. And like to me, like they have the best keeper in the league in Talbot. It's gonna be it's gonna be very hard to get past him. Uh, and again, like they do, they have a solid midfield as well. So I like I do like the Bowes team as a concept. I like what they're doing. Um, but it's a case of like because like Rovers have been established winners and like Dundalk are former league champions as well. Like naturally, Bowes will kind of look like third in that group. But I do think they're gonna top Dundalk here. Like Dundalk seems like a basket case. So I think it's between Rovers and Bowes this season for me, unless. Someone like so unless a blue chip team can kind of come in there as well, but uh, I don't think anyone's going to really compete outside those three teams this season. Maybe someone like Drogheda might just surprise people because they they hired they got a few surprises like signings from promotion. They got fucking Dan Massey in and like Vinnie Corcoran. It's like oh, I the fuck did you get them from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Corcoran was a, was was both top scorer last season, wasn't he? Like, and and he's gone to Drogheda. Like, it's a bit of a bit of a surprise. Like. Um, but it depends. Like I, I, I think I see the three horse races here for sure. Yeah, no, but anyway, I think it's going to be entertaining because with COVID and the, the whole kind of restructuring of how the league has to run without fans and things like that, um, it's going to be interesting to see how hmm. different teams cope with it because you could see, like, they missed the fans last season. Like, there was yeah. a few matches where I was able to watch on the stream and there were fans at the match. And it was really nice. And then the next match, you'd pick over and it was like, you know, empty stadiums and like, oh, no, no, this isn't usual. This is, you know, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Harvard, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's um, definitely, I'm excited to see this season. I'm definitely going to be tuned in more than ever, I suppose, to the league. And um, I'm glad that there is a platform to actually watch it. Yeah, Exactly. Um, it, it's a great deal overall and hopefully it gets a lot more eyes in the league because again I think I think we're quite well poised to have a good season this time because you have two very good like sides there Duke and Dale and Dundalk whatever the hook happens there it'll be interesting so <laughs> it'll it'll make the headlines one way or the other at least um, but either way then so uh, before we get into our CODs lads some small business in VAR Wars um, thankfully not much this week only three to talk about from the Premier League and um, one point goes to Burnley as there was a red card uh, offence rescinded for Tarkovsky with a deliberate handball. Uh, VAR reviewed the footage and this is during the Arsenal game, I recall. Um, so there's a few iffy calls in this match as I, as I remember. But one of them was that Tarkovsky's handball red, slash red card was rescinded because they checked the footage and saw that it hit his shoulder uh, rather than his arm. So therefore it was fine. Um, Peter, was it was uh, It was Peters. You're right, actually. Yeah, you're quite right. Um, so the other one then from that match day was uh, Chelsea. They had a minus one to their name as the uh, as one of the Havertz goals were ruled out for handball, which is fair enough. And then the last one was to uh, Crystal Palace. It was a plus one uh, as it was a VAR given penalty after uh, basically noticed a handball by a West Brom defender. So they get a point. Uh, but there's no real change in the league. Actually, I tell a lie. There is a change in the league because... Uh, Liverpool still losing with minus six, West Brom plus point minus five, but currently leading Bar Wars is Burnley <gasps> on two points. They have broken away from the pack, which is exciting, and um, because that stands to be the first team Burnley has won in about 106 years. So good on them. <laughs> uh, and um, and this is certainly not a competition of winning lads because let's talk about the P45 crew and. Um, Several sackings to tell you about. Literally on the day of our last recording, Harry Kuehl got the sack from Oldham Athletic. 
um, after a terrible run of games. Uh, and uh, Southend United get the kill for that after a nil-all draw uh, at home. And then only the third sacking in the Premier League uh, happened on March 13th. That was the uh, unfortunate sacking of Chris Wilder by Sheffield United. Um, it was a mutual uh, agreement to terminate the contract, and obviously they're getting relegated, so it means nothing really. Uh, it's in a loss to Southampton. I'm not going to lie, lads. This one kind of hurts, you know, for Chris Wilder because, like, this is the guy that got them from League One to the Premier League, and he, he just seems like a very nice guy. It just hasn't happened for the for the team this season. Like, they're just the, the Cinderella effect has kicked in, you know. Yeah, it's it's it, it's. I think it's a confluence of things, and ultimately, I wouldn't be surprised if he chose to like kind of fall on the sword himself and just go here. Look, just get rid of me. It, it, it did come across that way. Like, it certainly wasn't sacked. It looked like they both agreed yeah. to just let leave it there. And, uh, and that's certainly the case. Um, two other sacks I can tell you about. Um, banterous in their own way. Uh, the very next day, uh, Portland sacked their manager, Kenny Jackett, after a run of one win in seven games. But the straw that broke the camel's back here was uh, losing the 2020 Papa John's Trophy final to Salford City. Um, and just a day later... Um, Sunderland win the 2021 Papa John's Trophy because uh, we have to give those lower leagues a club final, a trip to Wembley, lads, breaking COVID restrictions. Yeah, they delayed the 2020 final so long that it actually occurred the day before the 2021 final. Beautiful, it was so beautiful. <laughs> like, and they should have had Salford, Salford City like had to do like a winner plays on system. That would have been really exciting. And <laughs> um, would have been great. Let's go, the winner, lads. Come on. <laughs> and then uh, finally then the most recent sacking is from March the 16th as Birmingham City who we mentioned ad nauseum last time on the podcast have sacked their manager Aitor Karanka because the team is in a complete shitstorm and they're six points away from the relegation places and the team below them have like four games in hand because of COVID oh, so they could, could very well be in the in the bottom three and uh, very much looks to be the case on form wise alone because the last game they had was a Trina loss to Bristol at home, uh, which is a shame. So, uh, as things stand, Fleetwood Town are still on three uh, kills, but Bristol City have registered their second kill of the season. So they are now uh, in contention for the award. Got, got uh, cool. Indeed. Obviously, Southend, Southampton and Salford joined the queue uh, on one kill. So let's see how the rest of the season goes in that regard. And now, lads, we will finish up our podcast as we always do with the hand of cards. Neil of Sound Mind and Body, tell us about your favorite player and mine, Eric Lamella. Oh, I fucking hate Lamella. Well, in part, my card isn't re well, it is probably Lamella because he's a fucking dirtbag. But it's also due to the kind of the spores bias of the media mm-hmm. in that. Like, not a whole lot was made of Lamella. Like, Lamella made, like, guarantee it, if Spurs had gone on to win that North London derby, like, that Rabona finish, like, would just be all over the fucking kip. Like, mm-hmm. they'd be beaming it straight into people's fucking retinas via fiber optics. <laughs> like, you wouldn't be able to fucking turn it, be painting it on walls as a fucking mural. Be a fresco, yeah. The thing is, is that that it just it exposes two main things, right? Lamella has been at Spurs for eight fucking years, all right. And I'm actually going to do a weird thing here. I'm going to actually steal from another podcast because they were doing similar. They kind of put it into words what I was thinking because I fucking mm. hate Lamella. And this was Ken Early who went mental on Lamella, and he's like, 
imagine being that talented that you can pull that shit off in a fucking derby. I'm like, the last Rabona finish he did was against Astoria, which I don't think is a team that even exists anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was a beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's more famous as a fucking beer than a team, right? But he pulls that off in a fucking North London derby of all things, right? Then gets sent off. Imagine being that talented that you could do that and fairly easily enough for him. Mm. But that was his 17th goal for the club in eight years. Mm. So he's an attacking midfielder, supposedly. Yeah, in theory, yeah. And then, um, funnily enough, early goes on to steal our cod thing and goes, he's a cod. He's an absolute cod. Sort <laughs> of proof uh, that he listens And then they, they reference then the cod original, which is Ronaldo. And mm. it's like, people call him a cod. There were months where Ronaldo scored more than 17 goals, like, let alone eight fucking years. You know? Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Imagine being so talented that you could pull that shit off with such a lazy, ignorant fuck that you can only score 17 goals in eight fucking years despite being an ostensibly an attacking player. And he's just a score. Like, he's just... I fucking hate him. I hate this fucking celebration as well. You know what the celebration reminded me of? Celebration reminded me of Rafface Lingard every time he scored against us, right? Lingard celebrating that stupid fucking dance that he does like he scores week in week out instead of the reality of when he scores which is once every three months like fuck off pal right yeah you scored just run and do your happy dance don't do the dance thing don't go oh this is what I do it's not what you fucking do you're a cabbage fuck off but the the Spurs bias in the media as well like Mm. they played so badly in that game that it overruled a Rabona finish through a player's legs into the fucking far corner. Like, they completely ignore the fact that that Rabona shot was their only shot in half an hour on or off target. Like, Arsenal had totally dominated them to the point where they couldn't even manage a fucking 30-yard wide shank. Mm. You know, they'd done nothing. They'd done fuck all. The ending possession result was something like 68% for Arsenal. Like, Spurs have done fuck all. They were garbage. They were absolute tripe. How, how Arsenal is it, though, to concede with, like... Oh, oh like, absolutely. The first shot, not even, you know, like, whether it's on target or not, just the first shot that they had, and then your man having the audacity to do that. It's like, um, well, Danny Rose. Yeah, yeah. Hump and finish, and, like, they keep showing that in replays. Every North London derby. And it's like, yeah, where's like Henri running from the halfway line to slot yeah. like they don't show that one all the time Where where's Riziki running from the fucking halfway line and cunting it in like with a fucking 40 degree angle bend in the second minute like yeah um, mm. I was in a pub for that and I screamed the place down with a fucking whopper of a goal but uh, uh, yeah that's on, that's on the Spurs bias in the media and things like that um, my dad didn't watch the match Um <laughs> He was like, his blood pressure is too high at the minute. He couldn't do it. Um, so he was asking me to give him updates. And I was like, we're playing really well. You could have watched this safely. And he was like, right, okay. So he was like, right, I can't wait. Because like, I was giving him commentary, which was, like, obviously it's going to have an Arsenal bias. Obviously. But I said, this isn't horrible to watch. We're playing well. Fuck, they've just scored a, you know, unbelievable goal. You know, we all felt a bit nervous for a few minutes and then we actually started playing like really, really well. And like it was all going on like 
I sent them all of these updates or whatever. And I was like, oh, there's a, one of the things like Kane challenge on Gabrielle. Oh, and, my God. And like, I was like, that, that was disgusting, a by the way. That was fucking disgusting. Like, it was uh, fucking like, it was ridiculous. But nobody said anything about it. Nothing, so nothing what, about it. That he sat down to watch match the day then that evening, knowing the result, knowing he could relax. But he was like, "Were you and them watching the same match? Because they no. completely had a completely different." He was no. like, "And he and then he was like, he rang me the next day. <laughs> I was in work, and he was like, he rang me and he's like, I know you're in work, but I'm just so fucking pissed. They're still talking about Lacazette's maybe penalty. It's a fucking penalty." And I was like, "Okay, okay, I'll just." I'm going to have to go back to work. I can't take calls. I thought this was an emergency. And he's like, I'm just so pissed. And they're talking about it on the radio now. And I had to, I'm going to tell Burke Bot. And uh, <laughs> I, I was like, okay. I dad. couldn't get my head around this, by the way, lads. Like, honestly, because I was watching the exact Not same game. Not a single fucking pundit thought it was like, what the fuck? Like, all right then, Grant. I know why fucking Danny Mills and Jermaine Genus, I know why they don't think it's a penalty. Like, Sanchez could have literally hacked Lacazette's leg off with a machete and they'd still be like oh but fucking like what's he doing getting in the way there you know like if you want to swing a machete in the six yard box you should be fucking allowed it's not the fuck it's not a non-contact sport Mm. that's the type of thing so I understand why those fucking turd muffins uh, fucking understood it but like you got like former referees coming in and going like this is clearly not. I actually, I actually felt like I mentioned Dermot Gallagher as part of this. Oh, Gallagher, Gallagher really did his, uh, really did his uh, reputation some serious amount of harm this weekend. Not just with the the, the result, uh, his decision about the Arsenal game, but there was a couple of other things that y'all called, and they were just all bang wrong. I was like, yeah. what the fuck is he doing? Like, is he just flipping a coin? This is the thing, like, and again, like, we, we had this conversation two weeks ago about English referees and how appalling the standard is. Like, Dermot Gallagher, I, I don't know if he's actually from Cork, but um, but he's been he's been trained in the English system for for years and years at this point, um, so he's he's a product of that system. And this is what you're getting, you know, you're getting him and you're getting Peter Walton on the opposite side in BT. And these people, I don't think have ever, like, when you look at them, have they ever refereed a game? Because, like, Peter Walton, just regardless of what happens with VAR, he just agrees with it. It's like, okay, Grant, that's fair enough. He's protecting his boys. I understand that. But with Dermot Gallagher, he was saying his argument for why it wasn't a penalty was because that Lacazette took the shot beforehand, therefore using advantage. And even though it's an air shot, um, therefore he's got a penalty almost out of sympathy. It's like, no, no, hang on, hang on, right. We had this in the Merseyside Derby a couple of weeks ago where Calvert-Lewin got a penalty for falling over Trent. And that was given as a penalty. That was, the VAR only checked out for today was a red card offence. But a player fell over. Fell over by himself, by, by being a clumsy fuck. And he got a penalty from that. And apparently this, where someone actually does crash into a player late, doesn't get the ball, doesn't hit the player at all. It is an object that fell. Yes, maybe it's after the fact with the... With the um, with, with the ball but if there's anywhere else over the pitch that's a that's a free kick so why is it so different when it's in the box does it have to be like a definitive oh you denied him a goal that would this save is what, our this season is what I, this goals. is what I was saying to you like there people seem to think that like penalty can only be given if you deny a goal scoring opportunity it's like no that's not the rule you fucking no it's a foul in the box it's that's a, a penalty foul in the box and yes. then you get a fucking penalty like absolutely fucking, fucking idiots stupid, like. And, and again we wonder 
and, and they wonder when English clubs then go into Europe and they go like, how is that a penalty? It's like, I'll tell you why, because they actually read the fucking rules, you tits. <laughs> fucking morons. I, I, I couldn't get my head around that. And like, again, this is all from like, the, the actual talking point of the match was a Lacazette penalty, not the Lamella, Lamella Rabona, which is a brilliant goal, or Lamella acting like a prick, which was hilarious, or, or Harry or Kane nearly breaking Gabriel's well. fucking neck. Mm-hmm. Or us playing well and doing tactics well. Like, that That should be a headline in itself. Actually, actually winning a North London Derby by merit, which is a long time since you guys have done that properly. Let's yeah, we here. did sports ball. We did sports ball. Yeah. Like, we put it, the goal in the net. <laughs> ridiculous um, but yes Lamella was kind of the, 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 the tip of that iceberg in a sense but like but the fact that like the agenda was immediately clicked into was this a penalty it's like really how about Lamella was that a red card was the was the Harry Kane thing a red card you're not looking at them are you no because you've got conflict of interest clearly um, I think it was the arse blog again I heard that the, like if you made a challenge like that in the AFL that's a game ban absolutely <laughs> yeah Absolutely, like I, I, I can't get my head around it. It is the England captain effect and all that, but it's so blatant. And again, well, no, we've heard before like the England captaincy effect is like the hatchet jobs that Shearer used to get away with. Like, yeah, holy fuck, like we get that, but just I, mean, I understand the England captain bias. Don't agree with it, but like I understand it. But yeah, fuck me, like. The, not thinking that that's a fucking penalty. Like, I don't... Yeah, that was just, like, it's here, just fake news. I'll, really, I'll read out. This is the tweet you sent to me, right? This is a direct quote from Jamie Redknapp, who I will never listen to, but never really listened to him before, but never will again. I think we're pretty unanimous that it wasn't a penalty. I'll say it's reckless from Sanchez. I don't think it's a penalty. Michael Oliver is the best referee there is, but he deemed, he deemed that I'm purely being reckless and out of control on the tackle. <laughs> so in Sanchez, other words, no, 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 no. control... And fell the player in the box, therefore giving away a penalty. Gets even better, gets even better. Sanchez catches him knee high, but I don't think it's a penalty. He misses right. the ball and goes clattering into Lacazette a little bit. A little mm, bit at knee high. A little bit, yeah. It into him, yeah. But I don't think this warrants a penalty. I was like, are you fuck? What the fuck? Like, the mental gymnastics that you must be going through. Like, I would love for somebody to read him back his own quote. And listen, like, not tell him that it's his own quote. And so, what do you think that person? And listen to him just go off and going, that guy's a fucking, that guy, he's no idea what he's talking about. He is a fucking muppet. Oh, really? Well, it was actually you. (laughs) (laughs) You said that two days ago, mate. Yeah, you said that two days ago, you fucking idiot. Like, I swear to God. No, I I didn't say that. Rosie the dog said that. Yeah, Rosie, yeah. (laughs) But, like, he literally gave every reason why it was a penalty as a reason for why it wouldn't be a penalty. But that was the the term he used. I I don't think it's a penalty. It's It's not what you think, Jamie. It's what it actually tangibly is. That's what the referee. That's what the problem with the refereeing system is. Is what they think. It's like no, no. Follow if you're so stringent on rules in VAR, right? Then be stringent on field. Just because you think it doesn't look like a penalty doesn't mean it is or is not. You go by what you see. And if Michael <laughs> Oliver, to his credit, saw fell in the box, he gives a fucking penalty. That's how it works. Oh, yeah. Cretins. Oh, just, fucking cretins. That's just it. But that's just me as well. Like, but that's that's my card as well. The ultimate yes. card. Although I it do is. believe that cards are quite churlish this week in the week when the uh, the report on FA descending to near Catholic church levels 
of yes. ignorance over child sex abuse. So I suppose where that where where the FA not ceding the higher moral high ground to the goddamn Catholic Church, mm. Lamella and Spurs would be my cod. Fair point. Yes. Um, like the, it's a very heavy topic, and uh, I don't think any of us are really qualified to talk about it. But um, but yes, it's certainly in the news. Um, watch it, read at your own peril, I guess. Uh, Burkbot, what's your cod for this week? I had so many, so many options. By the way, I've been laughing at that tweet you sent me. The the, well, the, the tweet link you pinged me because I'm not on Twitter, but fucking hell. <laughs> they got that pulled their head off. And that was her second cell in an under two minutes. So yeah, I, I okay, one of my options was refereeing because we've got those decisions that we've already mentioned, but I think I've done that enough. Um, uh, I could go with the FAI because that was up to something. Um, but I am going to go with um, ooh, I, I'm going to go with Arsenal women. <laughs> Having just boosted my mood by winning 2-0, uh, their training facilities in particular, or their training regime, something that we don't really get to see. But uh, what we see is uh, a never-ending conveyor belt of injured players from our own training sessions. So I, I mentioned this before, like a, f- a few seasons ago, we had an absolute horrendous season of injuries, but they were very, you know, unfortunate injuries that were caused in matches. Um, I think Schnatterbeck had a bad knee injury um, in a training game, but it was a collision and it was, uh, you know, bad knee injuries. And there was kind of like, there was like memes going around of like, oh, look at the five Arsenal starting 11 players getting their ACLs done. Mm. Uh, you know, like it's the new beauty treatment of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah. they were, they, new nails, <laughs> new hair, new ACLs. <laughs> <laughs> All the trimmings. There is like, um, you know, they were unfortunate incidents, but they were incidents. Uh, whereas yeah, in match impact injuries yeah. you can't like people were saying that a, a wee bit of an aside people were saying that about Taney when we were about to sign him saying oh he's a bit of an injury record and I had a friend of mine who is this mad Celtic supporter and he's like don't listen to that bullshit they're all impact injuries somebody is like cleaning him out in a fucking match and wrecking his shin like yeah you can't account for that type of stuff he's not like waking up and oh, there goes my hamstring yeah um, um, and, but just on that, like what's happening with the Arsenal women is constant muscle injuries, strains, tears. Um, you've got Steph Catley, whose calf tore, and her then her hamstring then tore, and she's not been able to play th- more than three matches with us since she signed with us because mm-hmm. of injuries caused by our training. Um, like Kim Little is one of the best players of, you know, Men are women's games. She is one of the best players. I've had the privilege of seeing her live um, in one of the craziest games ever in that three-all game between Scotland and Argentina. Mm. Uh, but she, she's just so fucking good, but she's constantly getting injured. Um, she's called 9 to 5. She's got the nickname of 9 to 5 because the lads who are doing their rehab in the, um, in the men's team constantly see her in the gym because she's trying to get back to full fitness and whether her pushing herself too much it might be an individual thing there with Kim Little but you've got players who don't routinely get injured now starting to get regular muscle strains and muscle injuries and 
Joe Montemurro said this year that there's been an investigation, an in-house um, investigation into their training to see if there is something that they're doing. And they've concluded that there's not. Yet all the evidence is pointing to something is wrong. So whether it's the playing facilities, maybe they're playing on ground that isn't suitable. Like if they're not playing on real grass, and they're playing on 4G pitches or 3G pitches or whatever they've been kind of relegated to now in COVID times because um, they wouldn't even have the, the full setup. But it's just, it's very frustrating when you see the team line up and there's random emissions. Like Caitlin Ford was admitted after having an absolutely superb game. I think it was against Villa. And I could be mixing these games up. She had like a brilliant game one match and then the next match she's disappeared from the team sheet because she's had a muscle strain. And they only announced it the day of the match, which is even mm. more frustrating because they'll put like, you know, uh, you, as a, I'm a member uh, of the, the, the like a fan member or whatever, and you get a monthly kind of training video. And usually the videos are about 10, 15 minutes long, and it's kind of footage of the training, and you can kind of see the different drills that they're doing. Uh, but this one, I, the most latest one I got was like seven minutes long, and like half the team are missing. Um, it's, like that it's kind of, it's almost like a fucking. Uh, like an obituaries list that they play at, like you know, the Emmys or the Oscars or something like that. It's like here are the players you lost, lost this week in training. Yeah, like um, teams like Chelsea have, um, like the team are uh, hooked up to train in line with their menstrual cycles, and I'm not sure Arsenal haven't announced that that is a policy that they're doing, um, but it is kind of like um, and kind of the fact that's been studied a bit more is the effect of hormone cycles um, yeah. on the you know probability of injury and the instances of injury the types yeah. of injury that you can get yeah we spoke about this before remember we did the uh, Tim Stillman did that report with the ACL surgeon yes. and we laughed at some parts of it because he, he made one utterly ludicrous statement that we all just started laughing at um, which was I can't recall any um, female player. I can't recall any player who's injured an ACL who's then gone on and done it again. <laughs> like I can name you ten off the top of my head. I can have you people. Have, who've you, done have, it you, have you heard of Danielle Carter? She might be a good subject for your paper. <laughs> exactly, you fucking idiot. Some of them have loyalty cards. They get their surgeries for free. Yeah, you get um, free coffee. <laughs> like, but he, the detail he went into it, and they did bring up the the cycles effect and that. ACL injuries tend to occur much, um, much more frequently at yes. certain parts of it, and it's really, it's really good. Funny enough, actually, I'd never looked into this, and I was wondering if you knew the answer to this, Burke. But how many female coaches do Arsenal have? I mean, like, I know that. That's like, a good point. I thought it was an all-male outfit, wasn't it? It's an um, the goalkeeper coach is a woman. Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure because I think they're like one of the few that is like a, a mostly male outfit now. Am I right in saying like I know it's it's it's, it's actually getting better in that sense. But one of Joe's assistant managers last season, I I think uh, she's not there as you know whether she's just in a more back room role, um, but we don't see her on the side, and it could be a COVID thing that you know you yeah. only let a handful of people on the bench. But you don't really hear too much of the backroom team at all. Um, it is just Joe um, and, and I can't think of her, the goalkeeper coach. And she's like, she's oh, like I was literally looking at her tonight, like giving out about one of the things. And I was like, ah, oh, what's her name? Uh, no, but we do. Yeah, the goalkeeping coach is, is a woman. 
Yeah, no, it's just mad because I'm like, I read an article on Laura Kenny, who's the British cyclist, and she was going on for like she was she'd been in pain for years and during because of the training regimes. She was just about ready to fucking quit competing, and the main change she made was that she just got a female coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, and now like exact quote. I'm looking at it now is exact quote is I think I could keep going forever. And you know, um, it, it's a fair point. It is such a fair point because, as I said, I think the coach you got was um, the coach. It was the great British coach. The British cycling coach was uh, Monica Greenwood, the fantastic cyclist herself. And um, so yeah, so just like yeah, the first female podium coach, and they're just like, this is amazing. <laughs> like this is incredible. Like yeah, and it's it's just I think it's I think it's kind of that sort of thing. It was funnily enough, a friend of mine was bringing it up to me about. Speed difference in bowling because he's into cricket. Um, one of the few Irish people I know who are, but he was bringing up ball speeds between male and female bowlers. He's like, on average, the female bowlers are bowling at 12.5% slower than the male ones. But he's just mm. like, that shouldn't be really mad. Team went. Oh, we're training them like men. Yeah. And yeah. they brought, they got research from a javelin thrower team in America who realizes like, no, we have to train women slightly differently because men have to be trained because we train men like it's all torsion. It's all lower trunk torsion. It's all you turn into it. You know, it's all torque. Whereas female javelin throwers don't have those torque, those trunk muscles or to the extent that men do or can't be trained yeah, to yeah. have that so what they do is they train them to throw the javelin more linearly so they project the force forward rather than as a kind of rotational one and then they just the distance is just fucking exploded in line with the male counterparts and so this cricket team were like oh maybe that's it maybe the reason why the female bowlers aren't bowling as fast as the male ones is because we're trying to train them the same way we train the men yeah, that's why I asked that question. Maybe the reason why the injuries are so horrendous is because you're not taking into account that you're training women, not men. And I don't mean that as a negative. No, no, I think it's, that. Like, it, it, it's, a, it's biology. It is. It yeah. is biology. Like there is so many physiological differences between the male body and the female body, and. There, there is obviously the hormone fluctuations mm. comes into it as well. I know yeah. uh, I was trying to say there, like Chelsea's team have, have a, an app and they all have to match their cycles or they have to tag where they are in their cycles so that they do separate training depending on where and the point of their home hormone levels they are. Sorry, and, you, may, you might want to cut, the, cut this part out. I don't know if you want. You have that app as well. Don't, you use that app, don't you? It's the same app you use. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically Fitter Woman, it's called. All right, yes. Um, yeah. And yeah, you can log, there's like a team version of it where you can log and then you know, like, oh, someone, like I know Lucy Bronze did a podcast on this uh, uh, with the We Play Strong crew. And she basically like, we need to keep remove the stigma of talking periods because she's like, it's actually preventing people from playing sports. It's prevent, mm. it's causing injuries that, you know, constant injuries, constant things that she said that she like used to suffer, I think it was her ankle. 
like you know associate ankle injuries for the period I could be getting this wrong I could be mixing her up with someone she suffered with ankle injuries and changing her diet around the match to suit her hormone levels and to kind of compensate for whatever she was lacking in at that point um she hasn't had an ankle injury since um mm. but yeah in that interview with Lucy Bronze I know she, I am getting this bit right, that she said that in the England camp, as soon as, uh, I think her name is Karen Mills. Uh, no, Don Scott. It's Don Scott joined the England team from the American team. And she basically got everyone, not just to sign up for this kind of tracking app, but uh, also has a tailored, whenever they go to play for the Lionesses, they have a tailored um, nutrition diet plan and it's all mapped out from so they go down in the mornings for their breakfast and there's a smoothie for people who are at stage four there's a smoothie mm. for people who are at stage one in the cycle there's a smoothie for two mm. and three and different meal plans throughout the day everyone eats at the same time but it's completely different meals you're like oh what did you get in yours oh i got blueberry in mine oh <laughs> and it was kind of a joke made out of it but like as i thought actually because you know in my profession i come across where you've got performance in kind of academics um, and how distractions can be caused by different things and hormone levels can affect concentration levels. Yeah. And yeah, why wouldn't that, like that applies to every facet of life. Of course, it's going to affect sport. So I think uh, just, uh, we've kind of gone off on a mad long tangent here. About <laughs> it. But I, I, I have a feeling that is one of the, the factors that's causing the injuries at Arsenal and on other teams because the, physiological differences between men and women are apparent when you kind of put down what, what are the most common injuries and like what are the and it isn't a case that like muscle tears are regular um among the Arsenal team at like up until this season like it hasn't really been regular kind of in training issues so there's either a diet issue or there's a training issue or an over workload on them um, mm. But then, like this all boils down to something that I've actually been thinking of quite a lot recently is sports science and the uh, focus of women in sport, female yeah. athletes, that there needs to be. I recently got a pair of football boots, which are women's football boots. Not and it was like in the blurb for them, it's like these aren't just men's boots in smaller sizes. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, these are the specialist women ones you bought. Yeah, how are they? How are they going for you? Yeah, yeah they're like they're decent. They fit me. They're comfy. Like I haven't had, unfortunately, with COVID, I haven't had the chance to give them a proper run out. Um, but like definitely from putting them on, they don't feel like they're they are a bit lighter. Um, but, you know, I don't know how durable they are because I have to try them out. You probably feel the difference. Like I know that they probably designed it for like a slender or foot and stuff like that. The actual like, like reflexology of it as such. But even like I'd say you probably feel the difference when you're actually running and the actual impact, the actual energy going into like the back of the foot more than anything else, going back up the leg, you'll probably feel the difference there. Because like I said, that's probably the that, that could be like a big consequence of of those kind of tears as well because for some of that stuff you probably are like pushing against your leg muscle a lot more than you think when I, my, when I did my ACL I was wearing a pair of boots I'd never worn before and mm. I do in the back of my mind have a kind of because they were a size too big for me because my actual boots had ripped the night before the match uh, I was scrambling for a pair my brother's friends here's, here's an old pair of mine and I, yeah, I have a feeling that actually did contribute. Like, I, I mine was yeah. an impact ACL. I was 
I don't think there was much hope for me surviving the impact, regardless <laughs> of what shoes I was wearing. But it's part of the reason I was stuck in the mud as much as I was when I didn't turn as quickly as I wanted to was because of the, the shoes, I think. And like that, that's one of the things. I never wore them again, obviously, after that. But um, yeah, no, I think, I, I do think there should be a study into this um, mm. and not just from a, a natural point of view, but like it, that's kind of highlighted it for me that training methods and um, I, I, actually today in the news, I'm just seeing like on Twitter trending is about the basketball, about yeah. the um, basketball training facilities between the, male, the, the men's league and the women's league is like laughable, uh, except it's actually professional athletes being left to the side. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, that that is my card. Um, men. Men. <laughs> All men are bad. <laughs> there you go. Burke spot card. Men. Fuck you. <laughs> You're all shit. <laughs> it's always but that round of beer. I don't know which one. I know which one's getting my vote. Uh, <laughs> Well, convenient enough, my um, my cut is also happens to be a man, um, but it is oh, a man. God, men are the worst. It's a man with a dream, Neil. A dream of making a European Super League by the back door. It's it's Mister oh, Andrea. It's a Mister Andrea Agnelli, who is the I believe the managing director of Juventus or Piemonte Calcio, if you're a FIFA fan. Um, and he is the main kind of um, conspirator, I want to use the word, of this new Champions League format that's due to be introduced in 2024. Now, supposedly, UEFA are going to greenlight it because they're gimps uh, and complete arseholes and completely inept at everything they do. But I'd like to talk to you about why this is bad for football, because I'm sure you know this already, that anything that UEFA tries to introduce is inherently bad for football. But uh, the reason this system is being introduced... Um, uh, the reason I'm trying to, I'm, I'm talking about this in particular is that this is supposed to be the uh, alternative. This is supposed to be the way to eliminate the risk of a European Super League breaking out in football, like it's some sort of fucking pan, like virus by itself. Whereas I'm going to just explain to you how it works. Okay. So the group stages are going to get replaced um, uh, completely. It's going to completely overhauled and um, from a 32 uh, team system to a 36 team system. Right. And it's called the Swiss model, basically. And it's taken from how uh, chess is played on a professional level, where everyone's been thrown into their own kind of like uh, league or group or uh, kind of whatever way you want to call it. Of course, and it's, there, there being a whole lot of overlap between football and chess. They're both very strategic games, Neil. Um, I'll have you know. <laughs> a lot of pieces, a lot of tactics involved. Right here, like, you tell fucking... You tell Noble that, all right? He's a fucking <laughs> good. Chess Master Noble. Well, there's the title of the video. Thank you, Neil. Um, Sorry. So- any fucking game, any fucking game where Vinnie Jones can make a living in it cannot be called tactical <laughs> to its core. All right? There may be tactical elements to it. I'm more than willing to give you that. Yes. But you can no, go get fucked. Yeah. So, so the way the system works, basically, the Swiss model is essentially in the within the thirty six team bracket we have. Right, you are going to play uh, five 
or uh, so yeah, five players within that league, right? So you don't necessarily play everyone in that league because obviously that would be mental. But you play five, and it's based on seedings, right? It's all calculated. So like first would play, first seed it would play thirty six seed, and rattles all the way down basically. And it's it is a way of essentially like drumming up intrigue in the group stages, and essentially whoever uh, comes out on top from the thirty six, the top eighteen, then become or sorry, the top sixteen then become the uh, the round of 16 for the next for the Champions League. And then the rest of that gets shaved off into the Europa League. Uh, and they have a similar system in place then for the Europa League and the new competition, the Conference League, which is also horrible. Um, but essentially, it is based down on seeding, essentially. So the big change is that um, instead of having now six groups uh, stage games in the Champions League, you now have 10, right? which is very, very good if you are a team in a league in Europe, like say Italy, where this originates, and Germany, who have 18 teams in their league. So you have inherently less league games overall. And if you're in most of these continental uh, competitions, you only have one cup competition to worry about, whereas England has two. So this system is basically designed to shaft English football. Um, in various different ways, because obviously English football has has blown all these guys out of the water commercially. Like we're talking about how French football can't get a TV deal, how the bottom has fallen out of Spain and the Spanish and Italian markets. And this is their way of trying to get back to set up a European Super League without the UK's permission, essentially, and basically just getting them to deal with all the extra games. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's a Brexit side effect as well. But um, but essentially all of this down, and this is the scary part, this is all down on rankings, right? This is all down on how you do historically in the Champions League, right? Now, that might sound very familiar because if you might recall, the whole premise of the European Super League is based on rankings of how you do in European and international competitions. So now the 36, you still get your league rankings, right? So the top four in each league still go in. But say like you're a team like Liverpool, for example, right? And you don't make the cut for the top four. If you've done superbly well in the Champions League in recent history, let's just say you won it a while ago and we're in the final of the year beforehand, there's four spots open for teams who are good in Europe but shit in the league. So Liverpool will sneak in there. Or let's say if you're Barcelona and you're going to get like a 40 points deduction for financial <laughs> irregularities and you don't qualify for the Champions League that year, oh, we'll stick you in there now as well. because yeah, It doesn't matter if you're playing in the Serie D. Fuck it. it do you know what? Exactly. This is, and that's the thing about this. This is a scary thing. If something like Inter, if something bad happens to Inter Milan, they could still qualify for this league based on the fact that they're Inter Milan, right? Are you going br- to bring up um, Van der Sar? Right. That fucking idiot as well. So he's been a big kind of. Um, he's been a big candidate as well, and he's thinking like him. It was fucking like looking like Shaggy out of Scooby Doo, going, "I think this is going to be really good for our club." It's like, yeah, but you're the top team in Holland. Like, you literally had, like, a, a split league between you and AZ Alkmaar, and the league decided you won because you were Ajax. Of course you'd love this system. You're guaranteed qualification to become a bang average middle, mid-table. You've got to become the Stoke of Europe, and you're happy isn't with the funny, Isn't the thing about it is that he's advocating for a system that would see the club that he's the CEO of, Ajax. Yeah. They wouldn't be allowed in under the current things. No. He's he's masterminded. He's masterminded a club, a, a super league that will exclude the club he runs. It's unfucking real. Like this is literally designed to shaft the lower leagues. Like they're like getting for an Irish team to get to the Champions League is remote by itself because the Irish team, the Irish league, is not that great. But because we're so low ranked, we have to start right oh, from scratch. Watch it. 
Do watch it. It's not Do great. Watch it. watch it. I know. I know. I'm only. I'm. I'm just in comparison to the rest of Europe because our rankings are that bad. I think we we will get better next year because of the coefficient. But mm-hmm. even then, we have to start off with the second qualifying round, which is grand because five years ago we had to start from scratch. Um, well, okay, like, even, even if the Irish one is unfair, the Scottish uh, league, for example, has been terrible. So they have to start off basically from scratch and they have to do, do qualifying rounds and so forth like that. Now with this system, it's practically impossible to qualify that way because the actual teams that get into this 36 like group of elites, I think it's now cut down from like eight to four. So there's only four people, four clubs that can qualify outside of their league coefficient. So you've got four, four teams that have won by merit to get there. And then you have four that are there because they're popular or people know them. You know, it's, it, it, it's preposterous. It's a, it's a completely egregious system. Like I'm, I'm reading some of it here. So England, Spain, Italy and Germany have four guaranteed slots in the group stage. Leading teams who don't make the top four of their leagues could still qualify with three of the additional group stage slots lined for such teams based on their historic record in Europe. So AC Milan, for example, right? Let's just say something bizarre happens to them and they don't qualify for Champions League anymore. They're a mid-table team again. They've won the league. They've won the Champions League five times. They could just argue to say, we won it five times. Let us in. I was like, well, fair enough. We can't argue with that. Well, no worse than do that. Well, I don't think that's... It has to be recent, that's the thing. I think that there, it's got, there has to be a recency bias to the to the standing. So let's say, actually, a great example could be Leon, right? So Leon, let's say, if they are in the table team, they said, well, we're in the, we were semi-finalists three years ago. Do we count? And we'll go, mm, we'll get back to you. You know, and that's, that's a thing because uh, because the way it's working is now, France Leon, would get in it. Our women's team have won it eight years in a row. Can we have a go? <laughs> <laughs> funnily enough, funnily enough, Leon would not be allowed into this new system. However, the team that they've knocked out, Juve, they would. Yes. <laughs> so, Ditto, so for this Porto. Ditto for Porto. Porto would not be allowed into this new thing. However, no. they've knocked out Juve. So I suppose Agnelli is kind of just basically, this is just the jilted lover of... Um, <laughs> club football I was like yeah. oh Leon knocked us out fuck them frogs uh, mm. Porto knocked out where the fuck is Porto anyway um, <laughs> you know like the town is called O Porto they're just that's just cheating that is fuck them um, <laughs> Anasar name me a club that sucks what club do I run uh, I actually as well yeah yeah <laughs> It's, it's stupid. Like so, like I said, they, there is a, the additional spot will go down to France. So now France are getting an extra, a bonus like uh, qualification spot. But again, the sum has to go through qualifying. Some goes straight through to the great to the to, to the group stage. And again, all of this is right is based down on ranks. Um, and the logic is basically it's down to TV deals. It's as simple as this, right? They know that the that domestically all the European leagues are doing terrible. The, Fran- the French leagues could be, like, on a television basis, are homeless. They don't have a dedicated channel that wants to pick them up. The Spanish league has been going the same way. The only way you can look at Spanish football in England is ITV4. And even then, it's one game a week. So that's how bad their TV deal is, is in, in, in that uh, territory. And it's just as bad everywhere else because the Premier League is wiping the floor with them, like goes with Spain and France. So essentially, what they've done here with well, this that, system... that bubble's going to pop. And when oh, it that is. Pop, when that bubble pops holy mm. fuck absolutely and here's the thing about this right this is the kicker this is where you see the actual mechanism of it right at the moment you have 96 group stage games right where you have 
a nice, very diverse group of European clubs. You might get groups, like sometimes you might get a team from Azerbaijan or Kazakhstan or, or Croatia or Macedonia just breaking the mould and making it to the Champions League group stages, which is huge for them domestically. Like that makes a team, like Ludo Goretz um, are owned like by private Bulgarian billionaires, but they prioritise the Champions League because they know where the money is. Likewise with uh, Dinamo Zagreb and Shakhtar Donetsk, great example of them. They don't give a shit domestically. They're going to wipe the floor every year. Their focus is Champions League with European football. Let's see how far we get from there and base our budgets off them. And here's the thing with that. 96 group stage games what we have now, with this system, with more European clubs from the bigger leagues, now turns into 180 games in the group stages. 180 group stage games in the Champions League. And all of that has to be whittled down to 16 clubs that we've arbitrarily decided are the best ones. And and then, again, there's no draw, by the way, for the group stage at that point. It's back to first versus 16th. So whoever's top of the group stages in the Swiss system, which could be joint points, goal difference, all this shit, right? Let's say it's Barcelona versus fucking Dina, like, uh, Leon. Like, you won't have an Ajax. You won't have a Porto. You won't have a Shakhtar Donetsk. None of those blue-chip teams from other countries. It'll just favour the top five leagues in the world, in Europe, sorry. And that's it. It doesn't benefit any small leagues. It doesn't benefit any teams trying their best to qualify for the Champions League. It's just for them. Because here's the thing. Those lower leagues are going into the Europa League. That's their home now. So they're trying to put all the Portuguese, the, the Dutch teams, the Belgian teams, Russia, Ukraine, all into that competition. And then here's the thing. The third competition, the Conference League, is where all the other minnows go. So they're trying to like, like segregate all the European clubs by league, by like numbers, pure algorithms, pure numbers, and decide this is the best Champions League because we put the best clubs in it with the best leagues because we're all fucking desperate for money. And, and, and this is a guy, Andrea Agnelli, this, the manager director of Juventus, saying this is the way to stop a European Super League. No, mate, this is a European Super League. You've just done it by the back door. You've literally just done it so like, well, everything is fine. England can take part if they want. They just have to get rid of their League Cup system and get rid of two of their Premier League clubs. I was like, oh, 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 oh they're not going to do that. They are not doing that. Like, granted, the League Cup is irrelevant, but like, they're not going to get like that filthy Europeans tell them what they're going, what they're going to do with their Milk Cup, are they? Like, it, it's, it is a pathetic attempt. And the fact that it's going to happen is even more pathetic because UEFA literally do not have a say in this. They are the governing body, and they're being dictated to by a small man in an Armani suit who's been knocked out of the round of 16 three fucking years in a row. That's pathetic. <laughs> that is fucking pathetic. And, like, and that's the reason he's doing this, because Juventus, because of their coefficient, because of their ranking, are top seeds. They'll be fourth, fifth, or sixth because they win in the Italian league every year. It doesn't matter how they do in the Champions League. Because they're like number one in their country, they'll be third or fourth ranked regardless which means that they get better draws in the swiss system better draws everywhere else and the fact that the idea of a meritocracy of earning your spot of a team like porto for example making it to the semi-finals no nah, doesn't matter portugal portugal's a shit league they don't get anywhere and it's 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 sad it's it's sad pathetic and it's it'll be the death of european football if it happens because it's their desperate cash grab the desperate way to try and keep everything afloat and they just get what what wipe the floor off again Simple as that. Yeah, that's a fairly uh, in-depth evisceration of yeah. the system. It's, it's uh, awful. Say you've cut it down to size using a Swiss Army knife. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I know. I've, I've tried my best here, but I, I, when I when I read this when I read this over, I was thinking like, right, I know this is going to be shit. But when I read it through, I was like, wow, I didn't think it was that shit. Like, I, I did not know how deep the rabbit hole went. I, I, I did try to read it when it was published, like a couple of places published, like here's what the new, um, you know, Champions League format is going to look like. And I was mm. like, oh, that's a lot of words that I don't have the energy. So fair play for you for reading that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, no, it is a load of shit. Um, one of the things that is really, really enjoyable about the Champions League is the places like Atlantis getting in, the teams like Atlantis yeah. getting in. Like they're not a big team. Um, they're know, underwater. They, 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 they say <laughs> like, these guys are literally coming from the depths of the sea. He had to come to the match on the back of a seahorse. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, like it is, it's things like that where you get like that's the it's like the magic of the FA Cup like I love yes. the FA Cup as, as a competition because you've got a bit of variety in who you're going to play you're not going to like okay I know I say this as an Arsenal fan who has only ever drawn against Barcelona and Bayern Munich um, yeah or we literally never played any of the deals we went through a stage of being always against Panic and Icos and it always yeah. confused me why they had a shit in there like a logo, um, but uh, do you know why that is? No, I, 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 I'm fairly sure I've heard this before, but it's just gone out my brain. Yeah, it, it's Panathinaikos was founded by an Irish monk, so Makes they sense. have a shamrock on their crest as in honor yeah. to the Irish monk who founded the the first missionary that Panathinaikos is now built on. Yeah. Huh. Now the only problem was that they did make a typo with the club. It was they call it Panathinaikos, but it should be called Ah Pasher Ah Panathinaikos, and that's what it was. But but yeah, that, that was the thing. Like, um, but yeah, I, actually, the season this is reminding me of. I don't know if you remember this happening. This was like good 10, 12 years ago. Remember Atwell Nicosia? There was a team yeah. from Cyprus. They made it to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, like pure pure true grit. And I can't remember which team they knocked out. I think it was so. Uh, it wasn't Real because I think they ended up losing to Real, but it was a team. Uh, very similar. I think it could have been Benfica or somewhere like that. And people went, this team from Cyprus just knocked out Benfica, European giant Benfica. And everyone just suddenly turned around and took notice. That physically can't happen anymore because teams from Cyprus will not be allowed into the Champions League because they're too small. It's it's preposterous. Or even if they do, they have to fight like tooth and nail at the fucking Hunger Games through the playoffs, which is even more preposterous. Yeah, um, I I know in the Women's Champions League there is the coefficients in the different league, and I I don't know if there is going to be kind of a, a revamp of that. But um, one of mm. the, the qualification system is different from what it is in the men's game. So what it is is in the summer around the oh, July August time, uh, before the actual proper Champions League kicks into gear, and um, the qualifiers is run on a league basis. Mm. So um, they go over to, well, I, I know it was because uh, Wexford women uh, were trying to qualify for the Euros. And in mm. like five days, played three different matches in their group. And literally whoever, like four teams that qualify top of their group, then progress into the actual Champions League. Yeah. Um, so like, and it was just, it's a bizarre system, but it was just constant bombardment of football. Like, Half nine in the morning, get up, watch 
you know, Wexford women, <laughs> Wexford youth women playing, you know, some Croatian team or, you know, some Bulgarian team or some Hungarian yeah. team never heard of. They're clearly not professional footballers. You know, um, oh, it was most entertaining. Um, mm. See, I think they're trying to replicate that a little bit on a bigger scale because with the extra amount of games, that means that like the Champions League is going to be on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday nights now. And the Europa League have to now work on weekends where on weeks where they're not on. So now, like, if you're an English team, right? Like, let's say if you're finished fifth or sixth and you're in the Europa League, now you have to work a week in advance of the Champions League teams, which means all your stuff has to get rescheduled a week ahead of time. What about what about the third champion, the third European league? They haven't even figured that one out yet, Neil. They don't the know European what they're doing with that conference yet. Conference league. Oh, uh, yeah. So I mean, like, that's just a shit show. Oh, by the way, a quick thing at uh, the team that Apwell knocked out was Leon. Was Thank you, Neil. It was Leon. Yes. I yep. knew it was someone like that. One nil in the first yeah. leg to Leon with Lacazette scoring. Mm. Um, and Apoel actually won one nil in the second leg and then beat Leon 4-3 on penalties with Lacazette and Bastos missing theirs. Mm. Funnily enough, one of the other Leon uh, goal scorers uh, for the first penalty was Game Kallstrom. Oh, oh my god. That's the straw that broke his back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair point. But yeah, like that's it, it's a shit show, lads. It's it's desperate um and it's it's it'll be it'll hopefully be the death of European football because uh, to be honest with you, I hope it does get struck down because somebody in UEFA must have a brain and must think that this is not going to work. Or at least even the English clubs will go, right, we're actually going to go full hard border to you, cunts. And... <laughs> what was that, Burkwell? Sorry? Like, Arson, can he save us? Uh, he's FIFA, not UEFA. It's completely different. We're all, we're all too busy trying out his new uh, offside role. Yes. <laughs> also that, and like now he wants to make the World Cup a two-year event. And Gianni Infantino's going, yes, I'd love more money, actually, yeah. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> it's like, oh God, it's getting worse. <laughs> anyway, um, so lads, what's your CODs for, for this week? Um, My COD is men. <laughs> as a concept. <laughs> men I suck. Think, men are, are just the fucking... He's at Arsenal. Also <laughs> men. Fucking bastards, all of them. The worst thing about doing a football podcast, it just gets invaded by the feminist agenda every single fucking time. Uh, lad. I keep asking, and I will keep asking, when will there be a Men's World Cup? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Bullshit, World Cup. Uh. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, I will go with the, there's clearly something going wrong at the Arsenal. Training. A yeah. similar thing happened to the men's team, and they somewhat sorted it out by getting better people in. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think something needs to be the same thing needs to be done with the women's team. You know, it's very obvious that like you know players are just acing games and then just you know wrecking a thigh muscle and like doing sprints. And you're like, should I have been doing those sprints? No, I shouldn't have been. I should have been in the canteen complaining about the amount of blueberries. <laughs> um. <laughs> Talking about how men are all bastards. No. I mean, I, I am, I'm, I'm somewhat trivializing it, but it is definitely. I think, I do think it comes down to a kind of men training women. You're yeah. going to shit's going to go wrong there, because we can't relate. Can't. 
if you can't you relate, can't, you can't do it. Like it's yeah. not gonna work. No, absolutely. Because like like for like men is grand. We're biochemically solid. Women change every week, and that's just biology. No, it's, like, no, it's it's not that. It's just that men know how to train men. Yeah, exactly. You don't, don't have to worry about that. <laughs> no, sort of like, stuff. It's not a case of like we're solid. They aren't. It's. It's a case of like, well, like it's like medical knowledge as well. Like, mm. you know, we've gone yeah, into this all, all of it's done on men. Like, I know how men have heart attacks. Oh, women have heart attacks. Just assume it's the same way. Oh, actually, it turns <laughs> out it's fucking not. I, I hear they go into <laughs> a forest and they just don't come back out. Yeah, That's they go into a forest. Yeah, they get visited <laughs> by an elf. Um, so, yeah. That's that's just it, you know. Like, yeah. Unless they're in like a circle of mushrooms, and then they're ground. Yeah, exactly. uh, but yeah, like, that's that's just it. Like, it's I think it's a case of like you've got a bunch of men there training women to an elite tier level, mm. and they're just going, oh yeah, we can just run them. Yeah, and we won't have to take into account anything like biology. <laughs> what's biology mean when you're training a body? You know, fuck it. <laughs> So what even is sports <laughs> science, lads? Surely it's a double what even is sports science. Yeah. yeah. What even is this? Um, I was going to go, because again, for, for a Liverpool fan to feel this like uh, upset about Arsenal coverage, I was going to go with the Eric Lamella slash German Gallagher. <laughs> slash, he is uh, such a face cunt, though. He's such a... Uh, like, it's just, it's just the whole thing. The fact that you have tw- you've twisted a Eric Lamella red card and Rabona like, classic into... Did Alexander Lacazette deserve that penalty? This the horrible Arsenal fiend was like, what is wrong with you people? Like, I where yeah, is where are the journalists a, gone? Are there any journalists left in this country? Apparently not. Exactly. No, it's not. And he, he's just such a fucking repugnant cunt as well. Like, he's kind of got the face that I don't think my like I could just punch endlessly. Like, I I think my body would resist building up fatigue toxins, so I would never mm. get tired. Like I'd never, I'd never thought I could flash someone, but using a knife, I think I could flash his face. I heard that. I heard that wrong the first time around. It's like, okay, well, I really have heard that wrong. Of all the people I could flash. <laughs> yeah, you, your line actually did drop slightly before you said that word. <laughs> it's like, that's how I distract him initially, and then I slash his face off. There you uh, go. Yeah, I, the I just waited until he said a Stanley, and I was like, ah, oh, she meant slash him. <sighs> yeah. Okay, well, I think we should call it there before my line completely drops and anything else could be misconstrued as love in. And I also go. Because. Fault, my thing falls in there because most of the Spurs people I know are men. Yes. <laughs> it, it, group, it, it, it bundles everything nice and neatly together in a nice manly bow. I like that. Makes complete sense. <laughs> um, Made of shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we are. We are. And the fact that now the two of us have to, two men have to wrap up this podcast, it's, it's just not good enough, lads. It's terrible. Burma, do you want to do the outro this time? For, for, uh, for feminism? That'll do. Woo!